Hello, and welcome to Go for Bronze, episode 35. On this week's show, we talk about Neil is now the top dog at Naughty Dog Studios, Sony's putting its money where its mouth is in regards to live service gaming, and Xbox and PlayStation are bound together for now. I'm Joel Torres, one of your co-hosts, and as always with me is Mark Ace Acevedo. How are you doing today, my good sir? I'm 26. I'm good. And I'm a little you're bit older. Yeah, you're officially 26. You're now over the hill. And yeah, I, I, what I was saying over the weekend is now I'm in the second quarter. The second quarter? Yeah, I don't know if that's a bright way to look at it, but I don't think it's <laughs> as dark as for my job. You're not at halftime. Well, so what I was going to say is when I'm checking my retirement for my job, when I go to like the website to check my 401k and stuff like that, when you log into the website, it opens up with it's halftime. What's your plan? Like, that's like the thing that it starts with. And I was like, I feel like if I was a little older, that's like really shitty to see. What do you mean? It's yeah. halftime. They're like, you're fucked. That's like, it. what if you, you tell me it's halftime and then I look in at my retirement ca- accounts ain't got shit in them? How am I supposed to I mean, feel? It should be like, I mean, halftime in terms of your workforce. Right? 20. I mean, no, 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 no. Your job doesn't do like a, if you work there 20 years, you can retire and like get your salary forever. In perpetuity. No, probably not. I don't think so. Jobs don't do that anymore. I don't think. I mean, they this job is is comfortable and they would definitely assist in many ways. But no, I mean, you're you're only going to be compensated for the years that you're working. And then hopefully your retirement accounts are enough to like help you after if that's not the case. But that's a long way away. Me thinking I'm in the second quarter. It's moving a little bit too quickly. I'm only 26. You know, you told me you're like, hey, when you hit 26, it'll be like a couple weeks and then you'll be like, all right, it's whatever. It's the same thing. It's whatever. I think now we are in the age of our life where we have no more memorable birthdays until we hit the decade marks. I, I thought this birthday was really good. I thought not saying that I'm not saying they're not going to be good, but I'm saying like they're not special. Like 18 is special. 21 special. That's fair. 16 is special because you can drive. I feel 10 like is special 13 special because you're a teenager 10 you're in double digits. Now it's like you know, 20, you're gonna be turned 28 like no way congratulations yeah, everybody I guess turns 28 i guess it's just decades at that point right yeah now like It'd 30 just be like, 40 yeah. 50 75 that'd be the last like probably non-clean decade one that's worth celebrating yeah three quarters look what's important i think is that you're celebrating a birthday at all not like you're still alive but there are people that don't even celebrate birthdays like how miserable you got to be to not just like have some fun that is true. There's, I mean, there's people that like, you know, they're like, I don't like to draw the attention to me on my birthday. And I used to kind of be like that a little bit. But you kind of grow out of that. And you're like, well, it's, a, it's an excuse to get the people that I love, like in the same room together and hanging out. Yeah, I think the, I think not in your case, but in other people's cases, that's just like self-hatred. Like, not nah, just have well, a that, good time. That was definitely part of that, too. But, uh, you know, it's, the countdown is the twenty-seven. Yeah, that's the countdown, countdown is to 27. I know that's starting, but how are you? <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm good. Got You're my not shit counting down to 27, are you? <sighs> the way this job is going, I might. <laughs> well, you're not You're not on the <laughs> clock right now. I'm not on the clock, but, you know, I can't say what I really, really want to say. I can't let the true opinions out, but uh, no, yeah, today was a little rough at work, but, you know, you get a man down, but, you know, you got you to gotta step up. New department, new place. New things to interact with. New things. Not a new department. I wish it was a new department. I'm doing the same shit, but just in a different 
different county, different area. Yeah, oh yeah, because I think I officially moved to Lakeland, Florida, for everybody that was paying attention to the moving along saga. I think me and Mark are now going to be stationary for the next year or so. Mm. So it shouldn't be too much movement. But yeah, we are all done with our moves, and I am now officially a Lakeland resident. Mm-hmm. And so, what have you been playing? What have I been playing? I mean, I've been only really playing Final Fantasy 16. It is very fucking long, which I was kind of it's it's like a good and a bad thing. I've been hearing people say like it's it gets kind of like a it gets like stretched out at the end. As like a lot of games have recently where, you know, Last of Us Part 2, a little long in the tooth. Uh, even all the Assassin's Creed ungodly long, unnecessarily long. And even Red Dead Redemption, one of my favorite games of the last generation ungodly long and even and, and I, I don't know how you'll feel about this but even death stranding a little long well, in the tooth. you've done everything in death stranding so for you it felt much longer than it did for me i enjoyed it mostly just focusing on main stuff so it didn't feel like it overstayed its welcome yeah and death stranding is the one where it's like it felt long but it felt appropriate for that world and also with red dead 2 i feel like it feels appropriate it's just like the epilogue is like another game Mm-hmm. so like the main the main course is is appropriately long and but the death stranding i did go for the platinum and i did get the platinum actually and uh it was very tedious in that fact but even like it's, it's just, it was a long game it is a long game objectively and that's not necessarily always a bad thing but like i'm starting to notice that kind of that's been a generate a generation thing in the end of ps4 it seems to kind of still be carrying on the PS5. I'm honestly kind of worried for Spider-Man 2. Because Spider-Man, the original one, was like the perfect length in terms of like, it was a nice like 25-hour open world game if you wanted to do the Platinum like 30, 35. I mean, it'll definitely be longer than that. You know that them having two playable characters alone means you'll have whole chapters that are one or the other. That is, that yeah, that's true. But um, Final Fantasy 16 has been hitting though. Yeah, I was thinking just even like before getting away from like Spider-Man, you know, there's going to be two skill trees, you know, that yeah. so it, it will be longer, I think. And I, yeah, games just are normally longer. But the real question is if they deserve it or not with Final Fantasy, obviously keeping it kind of like spoiler free because I haven't started it. And also it hasn't been out for that long, but I've heard the side quests are not the best. The side quests. So the side quests are not the best. That is true. I don't have the my main issue isn't really even the side quest because side quests in a game are kind of like like you were saying with death uh death stranding like you can just avoid that and that's not gonna like inhibit your actual enjoyment of the actual game it's like if you're like me the broken gamer that has to like do all the side shit and to go to the next chapter point which I do think this game it doesn't overload you with side quests it's not like the witcher where it's like there's a million fucking question marks and you're like feel overwhelmed it's like you know you get you finish a main event and you get, you know, three to five side quests. Some are just like simple, like walking around your main hub area, talking to people. And I, and I like them. I think that they build out the world in a, not like unique way. It's very like video gamey, but like in a satisfying way, I don't feel like every time I don't feel like I done a side quest and been like, I kind of regret that because the dumb, stupid ones are obviously there's the one that everybody talks about. Like you have to literally pick up dirt and that is not an exaggeration, but you know, it's fun and it pays off. And I actually did a side quest last night before I went to bed that paid off from that side quest. So I think it does a good job of like flowing into the main story if you wanted to or not. 
Um, what order do you do your side quests? I'm asking this because I was on the phone with my brother for like we were just talking on my birthday and we were talking about completing games and being like efficient. And I was telling him how like when I play games now, I have a very systematic approach to how I do like main quests and side quests and getting my platinums and whatnot. And the one of the big things that I don't do anymore is when I was younger, I used to do all the side quests and all the side things that were available before the next main mission. I do not do that anymore. So I'm curious. Do you do that? That's how I like to play open world games. And that's how like I feel like it was a lot more manageable too when we were doing that in the PS3, PS4 generation Mm because everything was a little bit smaller and more condensed. But now, like, when I think of, like, something like Assassin's Creed, like, if you fucking were trying to do all the side quests before you did any main quest, you would be playing. It would take you, like, 150 hours to beat that game. So I think it's, like, per game. But I would like to do the traditional, like, completing all side quests, then move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sometimes I can't do I just that power through. I like to do the main quest and then if i'm sitting down for maybe an extended session then i'll go around and try to get a variety of activities but a lot of times i'll stick towards the main path but i'll activate all the side quests that are available so if it's like i'm close to it because now a lot of games will just have good tracking where if you're close to it either on your mini map or something or maybe you can track it that way then i'll complete it there or world events that are just naturally happening but i don't I don't take the time out to like clear a side quest log out before continuing. But I also yeah. am really okay with playing games multiple times. And I know that's a me specific thing. I'll play the same game like 10 times, but I'll do something like a different main task every playthrough. And to me, for some reason, that's like less daunting than just doing it all at once. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a smart way to go at it. I do think that modern games make it harder with how fucking long they are mm-hmm. to do like the replayability. So I think I do try to go like I'm just going to try to do everything the first time around. And then that's like my canon experience with the game. But that definitely burnt me out on some games. Like I remember Horizon Forbidden West. One of the reasons I like kind of fell off of it quickly was like I was trying to do all the side shit. I was like, this is just so fucking much. Like I just like I just got overwhelmed and I was like, some of it is boring. So side quests are boring, but because like i think in general that's like this consensus right i don't think there's like people out there advocating for like side quests right i don't know about that i think it's i think it's very specific on what game you're talking about i think even the games that have good side quests half of those side quests are boring at best even again i think it's dependent like you say yakuza i would not say half are bad i would say almost every side quest is good but that game is side quest. But that's where I'm saying it's dependent on the game. But I, I think, think the majority of games. I, I, think, th- if I think if you're saying I think it's a majority. I think if you're saying majority like open world RPGs, then sure. If you're yes, saying that's, that's what I mean. Okay, well then that specific silo, I totally agree with. But not I don't think all games that have side objectives, a majority of the side objectives are boring. I think very specifically bloated open worlds where you're checking off a bunch of things because i think that's just adding on padding for time but i think all the ubisoft games those side quests are like meaningless yeah no i I fully agree with that i think i i think i was just thinking like all games but i think more specifically it's the open world rpg which is still a large portion of games but there are ones where side quests are meaningful when i think of like side quests being meaningful meaningful or good i think of like ghost of tsushima i thought almost everything in that was good that you know that's a good argument i didn't think about that that is true that but 
the thing is you didn't beat it fully in platinum it there are a few things that are just kind of like dumb that's fair but i played enough i played enough of it like 15 to 20 hours to know that the side stuff wasn't really a problem and that was still when i was doing like all the side stuff before doing the main stuff which as you said like i didn't finish it which is why i don't do things that way anymore because i would get burnt out too quickly doing that yeah but i still felt like in that the side things that i was doing felt meaningful but that's only one all right and we're back so my internet can spike wanted to make sure that we just get it clean so that you're not stuck with robotic voices so what i was gonna say (laughs) is even an interesting side episode or something we could do is like finding what would be an example of a game that has like good side quests and what doesn't have good or like what percentage of games we think actually has meaningful side quests on more of like uh with a little bit more research than just like off the cuff yeah that could be fun when i think of games that have good side quests I, you know what's funny? I don't I don't think of Yakuza because I think that that's like part of the main game. But mm-hmm. but I feel I but I kind of feel that way with even Final Fantasy 16 a little bit, where it's like those side quests like fill out the world in a certain way. Which I mean, I guess that means they're probably done well. Um, but I think of like good side quests. I really think of like um, The Witcher Three, and I think of Ghost of Tsushima. And I think what they do really well is that. Not everything is like a side quest, but there's like multiple variations on like side things you can do. So there's like your bounties and there's a a regular side quest. And then there's like a little task that's like Skyrim. Remember had like the little mini tasks that were like not Mm -hmm. a full quest. I think that when uh, RPGs have that system, that's when like side quests can really shine. Because then it's like, oh, those are all like the task in Skyrim are like now modern day, just like regular side quests. Yeah, that's true. And there's whole storylines because there's the main storyline, but then there's also each different plot, like the Mages Guild, you know, all those different things. So that's true. Yeah, I was going to bring up Bethesda too. Yeah, Bethesda, they, I mean, they do really well with the side quests. I'm interested to see how Starfield plays out with that just because from the outside looking at it, it does sound very bloated. I think it'll probably be just like off the rip. I think there'll be a number of planets that are really dense and then there'll probably be a bunch that aren't that's what i would imagine i mean yeah i think they pretty much said that i think they said a majority of most of the planets are like inhabitable and like don't have life on them and i'm like well then why the fuck did you make them yeah i guess yeah i mean i wonder how much of it is going to be just for like resources and stuff because there are i mean there are a significant portion of people who enjoy that that's to me like all the people that enjoy no man's sky and Mm -hmm. survival games they'll get that like slice of it and through that too because i think another part of games just kind of getting bigger and bigger is trying to have almost like different genres within the same thing so they can just like take all your time and i'm sure that starfield will do that yeah that's true maybe have like cool little mini games and stuff like that yeah which can be a good thing or a bad thing it just depends how the game handles it right you want you want to i feel like it's a careful line to toe in between feeling like they're disrespecting your time or being like, wow, this is a great value. I think that, like both of those can be their like the goal, but it's difficult as to like, I mean, their goal isn't going to be to be disrespectful of your time, but I don't know that because I said that. <laughs> it's, it's on like, Game Pass. It's free. So that's you, the thing, know. you wouldn't think that would be their goal. But when they advertise a game as being 500 hours, I'm thinking about Dying Light, like when that's their selling point. That's not I don't feel like that's good to be a selling terrible side quest. Dying light is boring. Dying light. Go to this point. Kill thing. Bring thing back. You did side quests. Yeah, I agree. The side quests in dying light are very bad. So, yeah, I think there's there's a good way and a bad way to go about it. I guess that could be said about anything. But specifically when 
time when game time is used as like a marketing thing i think that's normally a negative sign and i think yeah i think that's that in general that is a negative sign like boulder gate is like we have 300 hours worth of cutscenes, and it's like Mm -hmm. do i really does that necessary yeah i mean it is crazy that's if they have i think off the top of my head it's like 175 or 180 hours of cutscenes. that means that there's about three full breaking bads of cutscenes, like that's Jesus. right like that's i'm not well because breaking bad is like what 60 something episodes maybe yeah i think so, something around that i mean that's insane yeah that, that that's that's just unnecessary but i mean the thing is there's certain people that are gonna like boulder gates is that crpg shit which i'm not into yet which i'm not ready to fully discontent like just like shit on i'm gonna shit on it now because i haven't played it and like it yet but i can see myself in the future possibly liking it is it not is it not that different from diablo though and you hate diablo i think it's different from diablo because i think it's good yeah i don't know about that i mean we'd have to like test it i think it's more like in the um disco elysium kind of crpg which is dense i'd be interested to hear what you would think about that the little bit that i played of it style wise it was pretty immaculate but very yeah dense is the best way of saying it very overwhelming not even inside stuff just in the main of what you're doing yeah like this yeah like disco elysium is a game where it's like i do want to like try it out just because everybody like says how great it is but Mm -hmm. um but yeah i think side quest I think side quests can be mediocre, like Final Fantasy 16. Some of them are mediocre, but it does do the deviation. There are hunts where you're hunting out mythical beasts and, you know, there's side quests that have a plus sign that, you know, when you do that side quest, you're going to get something additive to your like like a person. Like you'll get like a new ability or get like something new within the story mode. So if you if you I think open world RPG is a key. I have a good open world. So the world of Final Fantasy 16 is fun to explore. So it's like, I don't mind like doing like, you know, tedious bullshit. Cause I like, I like being in the world and then be like separating your side quests, not just making them all in one bucket. Well, what's your, if you can spoiler free, what's your least favorite part currently about the game and what's your most favorite part? My most favorite part is as a narrative and Clive. Clive is a great character. Like Clive is like just a good, old school like video game like good guy and it's like damn i haven't had one of these in a while you know everybody's been doing like the broken character the gray character and it's like no clive is just a fucking good guy so that's like nice. kiryu or not really because kiryu is like peak like good to me or maybe it's like different. a skosh maybe like a skosh underneath that but kind of like that same energy where it's like skosh. unrelenting where'd you hear that i've never heard that a skosh i don't yeah. know a skosh I'm- I've used this. Sco- I've used well, maybe not with you, but I've used a skosh recently. With mm. Pam, I, I described something. I was like, "Oh yeah, just do a little skosh." And what was her like, reaction? She was like, "What the fuck are you saying? What but, the fuck is skosh?" I mean, I like little, it. A skosh. I okay. feel like it's like '90s slang or something like that. I mean, it's new. It's new slang. That's I don't for think sure. it's new. I think it's. I think it's old slang that I've co-opted as my new slang. But yeah, I would say Clive a skosh. Skosh underneath Kiryu in terms of like pure like goodness because mm-hmm. he hasn't like adopted like a child that's his own which we don't know where the story's gonna go that could happen but then what my least like um probably the side quest yeah all right well i mean it was a good it's a, still good to break it down 
Yeah, probably the side quests are like probably the least um, enjoyable things. But yeah, everything else, like the world building is great. The characters outside of Clive are also great. The main story is great. Sometimes the main story can get like a little confusing or like, I feel like the first quarter of the game kind of lulls you into like thinking like setting up expectations. And that's when I was telling you, I was like, yeah, this game's like at an eight out of 10. I don't know why people are like going crazy about it. And then like something happened in a narrative where I was like, oh, fuck, this is like fucking amazing. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think that's. I think we'll stop there because I feel like even that alone will have people waiting for what is that thing when they're playing it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, but that you know, it happens. But you still, I still got plenty of game. I think I checked my timer. I have, I'm like twenty something hours in, and I'm only like forty four percent through the game. But you're sounding more tired again than from when that whatever that moment happened. What do you mean more tired? Like it sounded like when we when you first were talking about the game, right? You were saying like it's like an eight, like it's pretty good, like it's you're enjoying it, and then something happened, you're like, oh, this is like incredible, and then it sounds like you simmered down a little bit, and you're like, all right, it's kind of long, getting a lot of side quests. So while it might have been something cool, it doesn't sound like it's sustaining that same like momentum. Eh, yeah, I get, and I think it is, but um, I just just to find something to be critical of the game. I do think that it does it it, it kicks up in the gear like mm-hmm. the stakes are arise and I think also I haven't been able to like play it consistently like my last like good big chunk was like a week ago mm-hmm. and I haven't had like a nice like four or five hour chunk where I'm like oh shit like a lot of things happen continuously I've been playing it like in little doses so like I don't know about you but when there's like an open world game that I like and like I know I only have like an hour to play it I'm like I don't want to do the main campaign and then like get sucked into this and then like go to bed like at fucking one o'clock and fuck myself so Mm -hmm. then i just do like a bunch of little side shit so that way i'm like well i played this game for an hour or so but i I experienced it in a different way no i'm totally different i chip away in small chunks there will be times where i'll have like big windows to play a lot but i'll do yeah i have no issue doing like one main mission that's like 30 40 minutes and then like turning it off and going to bed just because for me that has worked in completing I feel like in the past few years, I've completed and platinumed more games more efficiently than I used to. So I'm mm-hmm. like, well, I'm not going to like stop that because it's working. Yeah. And I haven't even checked the platinum like a uh, road uh, trophy guide or roadmap, but I'm assuming that you do have to play it on this Final Fantasy mode because I've been seeing a bunch of people talk about it. And I'm assuming that's the only reason why people would replay this game because it is fucking long. Mm-hmm. But uh, what what have you been playing, Mark? That's enough. I've only been playing Final Fantasy 16, so that's all I have for this week. Yeah, I've been playing a bunch of shit. You know, I'm always playing like uh, just a, a lot of games at the same time. So I guess we'll start with Wolong Fallen Dynasty. There's a PlayStation Stars campaign, right? So no surprise if there's one, I'm going to be playing it. And that one is part of the Hard Games Club. So I've been playing Wolong. I'm, I think I'm about, I don't know, three. The way that the chapters are broken up in, they're called battlefields. So you can like return to these different areas to complete more of them. And I'm just now getting to the third main battlefield because there's also like sub battlefields that you can go to that are just side areas. And I really, really enjoy it. I think so far it has had like a perfect pacing of it's had a perfect pacing of unlocking abilities for your character like getting new gear, upgrading new gear, getting new spells and different abilities and divine beasts. Like all of these things have been happening at such a steady clip that every time I played, even if it's only for like 10 or 15 minutes, I feel like I got something new that was useful and like fun. 
And I also like that the best way to describe the combat, I feel like, is if you were to mix... I wonder how people feel about this. To me, it's if you were to mix Sekiro, which is obvious. I think that's what everyone sees at the surface. But if you were to mix that with Bloodborne, the reason why I say that is because everyone knows with Sekiro, the main thing is very fast, very aggressive, but very parry heavy. And with Bloodborne, when you take damage, you want to return the damage to the enemy and you can regain some of that health you lost. So there's... Both of those have a, they want you to be aggressive when you're playing. And the reason why I'm comparing it to those two kind of combined is because in Wolong, you have a spirit bar, which will show up. And as you get hit, it will kind of go into the negative regions and you'll get closer to being broken. Or if it's in the positive regions, then you'll be able to do stronger, more powerful attacks. And the way you get it to go up is by parrying successfully, but also by being really aggressive. So if you're trying to just like dodge around, that won't really work. A lot of times what's worked for me with bosses in that game is blocking and then, you know, hitting, making sure you're aggressive within any open windows and then making sure that you're parrying when they do like, but they make parrying. I don't want to say easy, but they telegraph it well. You're it's not like Sekiro or some other games where you kind of just have to watch for an animation. This is like, yeah, you're watching for an animation, but that enemy glows like bright fucking red before it happens. Ah, okay. That doesn't mean that it's easy to do, though, because it's still like they can glow and then it'll delay. Like, you still have to know when their hit is going to hit. It's like just letting you know it's coming soon. Yeah, exactly. But I'm really enjoying that. I think it's way better than I thought it was going to be. So that's really good. I bought Street Fighter 6 recently and I got my fucking ass handed to me in online (laughs) mode for... I only played like three or four matches and I didn't get to play the other modes because what happened was I bought the game. I downloaded it, but I downloaded it from my phone because I bought it on my phone. I downloaded it from my phone and I guess it downloaded the main game. But to play the story mode or to have any characters, there's two more separate downloads. So when I hopped on the game, I went to play online and there were no characters. I had one character to use and I was I couldn't understand what was going on. So I had to delete the game and then go into the store. And then I saw like, okay, there's like multiple packages I have to download to like have the game be full so i think that's ultimately a good thing because that's like people who play call of duty know you can kind of silo off certain modes so you can free up space in your hardware so i like that it's an option but i was definitely surprised to see that like that was the case when i hopped on it so i didn't get too much experience with it i did enjoy it though i thought it looked good it was a kind of a bad stretch where I was getting my ass whipped in Street Fighter, and that was after I just got off of a four-game losing streak on, on 2K. So I was already really down in the dumps. <laughs> and then I was on the chat with my brother, and I was like, we need to just play like fucking MW2 multiplayer or something so I can feel good about myself before I go to bed. Yeah, uh, the two, 2K is crazy. But, yeah, um, 2K is frustrating. Street Fighter is also crazy. Like you, Those are two like just people that are just like, those are two people you're going up against that have played the same game for like 15 years and you're just like stepping into it now. That's true. And Street Fighter, I only played as two new characters. I didn't play as anyone who would have been returning, so I wouldn't have had any experience with them. But I'll get back to that. I'm glad I have it. I know that the story mode's supposed to be pretty fun. And I always like, I mean, fighting games online are always fun to me. It's always fun to learn like who's good, who's not good train with them and get combos and all that stuff and i know that there's some cool is it fun to realize that you're the one that's not good (laughs) it's fine because i'll learn how to get better as long as the game has a path to getting better i i'm totally fine being not good because then i'll just get good at it 
mm-hmm. like as like kind of memey and like lame as that sounds it's true like <laughs> it's fine because as long as i know that there's a way to get better which is one of my biggest fucking complaints about 2k is that 2k is just like bullshit where is pure bullshit where i know that my basketball knowledge might not be like as much as some people, but I'm also not like inept with basketball stuff. So it's not just like, you know, fundamentals, you know, controls that'll work. No, no, no. Your home team, you got a fucking advantage. You want to be OP (laughs) with one player. You don't got to play as a whole team. Just be one guy, be the one all-star, do everything with them. Alex was online. and I guess I don't know if if he wants me (laughs) to say this or not, but he was playing against uh, the Pacers and Halliburton was like fucking cooking. Halliburton, he shouldn't be cooking like that. I mean, he did sign like a $120 million contract, so I didn't know who he was, but apparently he is good. Oh, he's good, but I'm just saying like in 2K, you can have somebody who's not even that good, but like they're the goat if somebody knows how to use them. I'm like better than him in real life, so he shouldn't be cooking in 2K. Yeah, exactly. But so that that straight into Street Fighter just fucking thrashing wasn't the best, but it's fine. I'm. It happens. Yeah, it happens. I'm excited to play more of it and learn, get better at it and whatnot. I think one of the other big games I've been playing that you were over here watching me was Inscription, which is fucking awesome. It was a great game. Just to watch, it's, it was a great game. That I, That's one of the games where I can't really say anything about it. It's kind of similar to The Forgotten City in that sense where like I don't really want to talk about it in depth because I feel like you should do yourself a service if you're listening. If you want to just play it, just go in blind. Don't look anything up about it. And just enjoy it that way. You'll get the best experience. But Inscription is a solid 10 for me. I think there's... I mean, mm. I, I think unless something catastrophic happens before I'm done with it, I feel very strongly that it's a 10. In originality, design... I mean, just interesting. Think about how interested you were just watching it. And it wasn't like for a short period of time. You watched it for like two, three hours. No, that shit was... That was really good. And like... It's good. You should just play it. Like Mark said, I don't even want to spoil anything mm-hmm. as somebody that's just watching it because I saw some like pretty. Spo- I got to like a good part to watch. That's true. And, and that that shit was definitely hitting. Yeah, so that was really good too. And then moving on from that, I played Light in the Darkness on Joel's recommendation. It's just a free PlayStation Five game that you can play. That's kind of like an educational game about the Holocaust. And I thought it was good. I definitely learned some stuff that I didn't know, and. You, you gonna you hate play on it, it or what? Huh? You gonna hate on it still or what? Now you now you experience the emotional trauma. Well, no, I mean, what he's referring to is I think the game's fucking ugly as fuck. That's true. Oh my god! But that's not. I mean, yeah, I looked at the screenshots and I was like, mm. oh, he just played it for the platinum. But then I played it, and I don't think it was the things that were actually happening that were animated. I think it was the kind of stills in between with just like text to read that I thought were informative and really cool. That's what, yeah, I like that part a lot, especially because yeah. it had like real images too of like shit that was going on. And I was like, Oh shit, I did not know about this. That was kind of crazy. Yeah. I didn't know about it either. I thought it was really informative and I thought those sections of it were good. And then you play it, you get a free platinum. I mean, it's definitely worth playing. It only takes like maybe an hour, hour and a half, depending on how quickly you are, like how quick you're playing it. But I thought it was good. I liked the, splicing in of different puzzles or gameplay mechanics to kind of keep it somewhat light of course it's Mm -hmm. the darkest material possible but (laughs) i thought it was good i thought it was really good and i thought the idea of having something educational for free as a game is really smart and i feel like that would be a good 
almost like genre moving forward. If there are more things that were educational, even if they're just short like that, I think that's good. Yeah, I think it reminded me of like when people or when teachers were using like Assassin's Creed, the Egyptian one origins, mm-hmm. and they have like the educational mode in the game where it's like you can just like fly around and just like show like all the like, you know, monuments and stuff like that and show how ancient Egypt was back in the day. And I was like, oh, that's a cool way to use like games like for educational purposes. Yeah, I like it. I always thought that I really do think that games serve multiple different purposes, but even just from an educational standpoint, I think there's a lot to be gained depending on what you're playing and how you're playing it, right? Like obviously complex problem solving. We hear about studies and stuff all the time about as you get older, if you play stuff like that, or even if you're doing puzzles in real life, like it keeps your mind sharp. But I feel like historically, we get a lot of things that are historically accurate and a lot that aren't, but the ones that are historically accurate, <laughs> like Wolfenstein right? is very accurate. <laughs> like the ones that are accurate, they're entertaining, but you also just like kind of pick up on stuff you might not have known or even thought about. And it, like video games is like the rare thing where it's like you have to interact with the medium and it like puts mm-hmm. you more in the shoes of like different people and different like perspectives and stuff like that. Yeah. And I think it's also just like education doesn't have to be boring, right? Like it can still be entertaining. Yeah. That is true. I think that about, I mean, I'm very adamant about that in most mediums, even like movies and stuff like that, regardless of how like serious it is, it should always be able to be entertaining. And I think that speaking about light in the darkness, I thought they did a good job of keeping it entertaining while playing it. And so I think that's just, just worth shouting out. And definitely I think everyone should probably play it yeah and i was happy to see that it got like a shout out on the playstation like main stories it was like the top story and i was like look at that i was shocked that playstation wasn't promoting it when it first came out but uh they finally got to it well they they can't make cash on it so yeah, yeah i guess they're not like, gonna yeah, be the first like thing a... and also i don't know if you tried i clicked on the donate thing and it doesn't work mm, i didn't try clicking on that but maybe that's like a pc specific thing but it's just like I'm, still I... in the copy of the game yeah, Sony's like you can't give money for free. Like I have to, we have to get a cut of this. Yeah, I would, I would imagine that's the case. Also, if it's and it, I'm assuming it is on PC as well. I would think clicking the donate would probably open a web browser, and since PlayStation yeah. doesn't have one anymore, that's that would be my guess why that just doesn't work. That makes sense. R.I.P. to the web browser. Yeah, I remember back in the day when they had the web browser, all the gaming outlets like, you know, IGN and all these other ones would be like, oh, PlayStation players are the horniest of all the communities based on the Internet browser. (laughs) That's like these are really like the stats that they're pulling out. But the browsers were I don't know how useful or good they were. Like, it's not really noticeable that they're gone. And technically, it it does have one like technically PlayStation 5 does have one. It's just not something that you can access from base it's like if you need like playstation help like a help page or something like that it'll pull up in in an internal browser but i don't think there's a way to get to it on its own no yeah you have to do you have to go through like some sneaky side maneuvers there and and it and it doesn't even really work like it doesn't have like a video player or anything like that why does it need a video player i'm just like you can't watch youtube on it you know? oh yeah, yeah, yeah i feel that yeah that's important you need to be able to watch the youtube like the tutorials and stuff Exactly, the tutorials. Yeah, with the door locked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> I was just saying. I get it. The tutorials. I'm just, I was trying to watch a trailer on the PlayStation blog. That's what it really was. And I was like, <laughs> it's kind of weird that it doesn't have that integrated into here, but that's fine. Yeah, and it only went up to like 720. It should be 4K. 
It should be 4K. I mean, the system does like, you know, fucking 120 frames. On the box, it says 8K. It says 8K, but who has an 8K TV? I also think that's hilarious that it says 8K. do, Do you think that within this cycle, like this generation cycle, do you think there will be a game that will hit 8K? Like full native 8K? No, never. I don't think so either. So I don't even know why it's advertised on the box. I'm scared that we're not even going to get 60 frames anymore. Yeah, that's the fuck I mean. A, yeah, fuck AK. I think it'll be really interesting in the next year or two when we see the transition for a lot of titles go from Unreal Engine 4 to 5. What, mm-hmm. like, I wonder in Unreal Engine 5, what will be the standard? Like, are we still going to see the regular performance and resolution mode, or is it going to be a little bit different based on the engine? Yeah, I, I mean, I would hope that it at least can make 60 frames be easy because I think 60 frames should be the bare minimum. And, you know, games like Starfield, Starfield running at 30 frames makes sense because I don't want this to be like a console war kind of thing. It makes sense. And it's like, I understand how Bethesda justifies it where it's like you're not coming to those games for 60 frames gameplay, but it's like it also would have been nice. That's also the interactions, though. Like, that's the same thing as if you remember in Skyrim, the further you would get in Skyrim, like the... The shittier it runs. Yeah, the worse it would run. It's because it has to remember everything that you've been doing to that point, which I think is interesting. That doesn't mean that it's necessarily uh, an excuse to not have it at 60, but I agree that 60 is kind of the base. I think 60 is more important than an extremely high resolution. I say extremely high because you need to be having your shit at 1080p. Like, that's... 1080p 1080. and 60 should be your bottom yeah 1080p is on the free you don't even gotta pay for that yeah so i think i think 4k that, is the premium yeah 1080p needs to be the bottom with <laughs> with 60 that's that's what i think so we'll see how that plays out the last game that i have on my list doesn't have to do with fucking any of that i'm pretty sure it was a <laughs> ds game originally and now it's been nice. kind of remastered and brought into other consoles and so that's ghost trick phantom detective which is a capcom game and i fucking love it i didn't know really anything about it i just every now and then what i'll do is i'll go on the store and i'll sort it by what's been like released most recently and i in the past couple of weeks there hasn't been a whole lot but i i remember seeing this and it has a demo and it has a demo where when you finish it you can transfer that data over to the full game which i love it's a great idea it's the same thing like with playstation plus trials you're gonna get me a hundred percent of the time because i'm gonna be like well i already invested two hours now i just gotta buy it So I did that with this game, and I don't know if I talked about it on the show yet, so I guess I can keep it kind of brief, but I think it's really charming. It's really funny, really good soundtrack, and the way that all the characters sound, because you're reading you're reading dialogue, they're not voiced, but each character has like kind of like specific sounds they make, if that makes sense. (laughs) And so I think they're really good. I've been uh, nonstop in real life. There's like a chef. In the game that whenever he talks, he, he like sings. And there's like shit nice. like that all the time in the game. That's just like, it's charming and it's, it's really old, good. Yeah, the games used to have charm, you know? And like, they would like have circumvent different ways. Like, if they can't get the like voice acting for every single actor, for every single character, then they do like, you know, their little unique noises. Like, Celeste did that too, which was nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very original, very unique. Really enjoying that. I'm on chapter fifteen, so I'm almost done. I'm like, 90, oh, sure. I'm like ninety percent done with the game. It's a kind of mix between like a. It's kind of a point and click. I say kind of because it is technically a point and click adventure game, but you are limited to what you can 
point and click on, which is kind of like the whole twist to like your powers in it, is you're murdered in the beginning of the game and you wake up to realize that you're a ghost and you have these abilities and you have to kind of figure out your own murder throughout the game. But it's really interesting. Like it keeps every chapter kind of increases like the web of what's going on. And it's, it's really, really good. I think it's just really entertaining. Yeah. I got, I got a lot of shit. I got to check out. I definitely want to play Wolong cause it sounds fun and arcadey. And I do want to play the street fighter campaign, but ghost trick sounds like a nice little, little side, little appetizer to throw in the, between the main courses. Yeah. I mean, I think it's definitely worth trying all these. I'll obviously get to final fantasy 16. I'm, you know, doing the opposite though. And I'm playing final fantasy one. Because nice. for some reason, that's what I wanted to. But I think it's it's an interesting like dichotomy to have you playing 16. I'm playing one with Wo Long. I do want you to play it. I don't know if I would say it's arcadey because it's a little easier than like, you know, the souls. But that doesn't mean it's like easy. That's what I'm assuming. I'm assuming I'm going to be able to have fun like Ghost of Tsushima and just fuck people up. Uh, yeah, until you get to bosses, I would say. Like oh, all really? the un- okay. yeah, I mean all the underlings and stuff. Yeah, you'll be able to just like slice through them. But when you get to bosses, I'm not saying that it's that hard. But like, you will have to think about like what you're doing, what's the strategy, what are their attacks, all that kind of stuff. Oh, speaking of bosses, the best thing from Final Fantasy 16 is the boss fights too. I have heard that they're fucking fantastic. Good. Yeah. God tier. Yeah. I always think whenever I think of good boss fights, I recent like in recent memory, I always think of Returnal. I really want you to to be able to get through that, too. Did you the third third boss fight in that game, I think, is my favorite of the entire game. I didn't even I only beat the first one Mm -hmm. and I like got to the second one multiple times and got my shit. The second one's hard. I mean, they're all difficult, but I think the second and the fourth are really fucking difficult. That is a game that I would like to re- like return back to, mm-hmm. no pun intended. But because um, it's just the, the ambiance of that game, the atmosphere. Like, like when I was talking about like games like side quest makes you just want to explore. Like that's the kind of game where it's like, is you're not even in a rush because you're just like I want to see what's in everything and every like nook and cranny. This world is so like fucking weird and cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it also definitely benefits you to do so since you're you're, you're going on on each run is depending on what you're finding on the way there. Yeah. Is that the first roguelike game that you beat? I don't know. I would have to like look back. I really I really don't know off the top of my head. Cuz I think that's the first one that I can think of like that you like really fucked with. Maybe. But I think it's also I think that's true. I also think that before this generation, a lot of roguelites were small in production. And mm-hmm. a lot of times they wouldn't interest me because they would be 2D like Metroidvanias or something like that. And I don't really like those style like that style of game. Yeah, that's fair. That's a fair. Because fair I think now that but... you're getting kind of like a bigger budget of that with like Returnal or Sifu or even Deathloop to a certain degree, all of those I'd love. I enjoyed I guess, the yeah, idea Deathloop of like is like a roguelike. Well, yeah, because even think about I know that it's kind of like a simple analogy, but it's similar to me with like call of duty zombies like an easter egg where it's you have to do everything in one run that might take you like two to three hours but i really enjoy that it's just having it on a bigger scale which they do now i think before they just those games were normally on a smaller scale and so it didn't interest me that's fair that, that is that is a fair point mm-hmm. but but um 
Is that all you have to say for what you've been playing this week, sir? Yeah, that's all that I've been playing this week. I was very spoiled by everyone who loves me. Thank you very much for a ton of PSN cards and stuff like that. So I'm sure I'll be making a bunch of wild-ass purchases because money isn't real. The first one will be, we were talking about it before the show started. I was looking at the sale that's currently going, the essential sale. And Saints Row is 23 bucks right now, $23.99. But you, know, you don't count the $0.99. Cents. So I'll probably get that, pick that up hoping that it's good i mean that released at the end of last year so i'm hoping that there's some i know that there was an update that added a new area to the game for free like it's not part of the dlc and so i watched like a video that was kind of like a re-review of it so that looks interesting i'm willing to give it a shot on a sale and then also want to give a heads up that by the time you're listening to this just a heads up playstation blog said that there will be a summer sale starting on july 19th and that will kind of be a that will be like a bigger blowout sale. So I'm also waiting to see what's on that for sure. Mm, okay, nice. Nice. No, very nice. And then also a shout out to our streams. We're going to be going through each of the zombie maps. And uh, we did uh, Nostar Toten last week. And for this upcoming week, we're going to be doing uh, Verrat. Mm-hmm. So just, uh, just be on the lookout for that. Yes, we'll be doing that. We're doing those on the Black Ops 3 versions. For any map that has multiple versions, we're just going to probably be playing the most current or best version of it. I don't think that's really wild to say. I don't know why anyone would want to play the World at War version. We're not purist. Yeah. (laughs) We're shills. Yeah, I don't want to do that. My PS3 disk drive also doesn't work. Well, you know, download it. Be a real trooper. Buy it all over again. Now that we're talking about that, another side tangent, because I can go forever. This made me think of with... I went through a ton of PS3s with mm-hmm. the, one of the mistakes that I and or my dad made. It wasn't his fault, though, because he was doing the best he could, you know, just trying to, like, keep me with my new systems. But I, when a PS3 would break for a while, we went through a cycle of getting refurbished ones because that's how Sony would replace them for free. And of mm-hmm. course, they're sending you a refurbished piece of shit that's like really <laughs> close to the, the grave anyway. So I would go through a lot of those and then we eventually just got a new one. And that's the one I've had until now which the disk drive doesn't work but it was alive for a long time the reason why i bring that up in relation to world at war is because when the first system broke i remember it broke with world at war in the disk drive and what i did was i took like a flathead screwdriver and i just like jammed it into the side of the console and cracked it open and (laughs) took the disk the disk drive out just so i could get the game out but like that kind of fucking like is barbarianism even a word but like to do that barbaric now, yeah barbaric like i would never do that kind of shit now like yeah, i didn't even think about ps5 they like just like the the kind of things as a kid like i didn't even think about unscrewing or anything i just took a screwdriver and i was like well i'll just cut this bitch in half and get my game out i did some stupid shit like that on my ps3 when it when it died which was sad because i had a fat 60 gig i had the 600 ps3 for the whole entire generation. And then as soon as I got my PS4, like two months afterwards, I got the the yellow light of death, which mm. there's no coming back for that shit. And then I was like, well, fuck it. I'm just going to fucking fuck around with it. And I just like unscrewed it and just was like, just fucking with it. And, and I probably could have tried to fix it. Probably there was no real chance of fixing it. But, you know, that, that's a valuable piece of tech, you know? I Be still have play that. All three... What? I still have that. I still have the original 60 gig one, the piano black one with like the Spider-Man font. I have that PS3 also. You do? Does it yeah. work? That one might work. That one I actually haven't tested. I only found out about that recently because my parents have that at their house still. So I'm probably going to take oh. that from them. Now that yeah, I've moved nice. in here, 
So, because the one that I have was just the PS3 Slim 120 gig. That's the one that the disk drive doesn't work. But that piano black one was my oldest brother's, but I don't know if he wants it. So I think I might take it and put it with the collection here. That'd be a smart, that'd be a smart thing to snag. Because yeah, I, I'm using Justin's PS3, which is the slim one with the GT5 bundle. And the old one is backwards compatible, so I could play PS2 games on it. Could play OG Guitar Hero on it. That's why I really would want to get a PS3 like that, just because it's like, oh, I don't need the other three set up or the other two set mm-hmm. up. Like I can just play everything on this one and then have a PS5 and play everything from here to on out. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Really enjoyed that. They did that. Good. Shit. And then I'm really enjoyed that. They took it out for no reason. I mean, yeah, they took it out to make it cheaper, too. but you know, fuck them. Well, it's, you know, it's the PS3, uh, that they, like, they can't figure out how to get those games running. Yeah. That's lovely. We, <laughs> it's just so shocking how that's still an issue, mm-hmm. but you know, Hopefully, eventually they figure it out. We always hear the rumors about them, like, "Oh yeah, you can." Da- they're da- they're testing downloading. They can get like three PS3 games to work, and it's like, "Fucking figure it out, Shuhei. What are you doing over there?" Yeah, they'll figure it out eventually. But um, let's get into the news proper, and we'll we'll start with the what I would think is the biggest news of the of the past few weeks is uh, Naughty Dog's co-president will retire after 25 years at the studio. He wrote uh, in a message to the Naughty Dog staff, Dogs, after 25 years at Naughty Dog, I wanted to share with all of you that I've decided to retire at the end of this year. Wells uh, started his career at Sega working on Toe Jam and Earl. He'd go on to join Naughty Dog in the late 90s, eventually rising to the top of the studio. Wells oversaw Naughty Dog's ascent from platformer developer to Sony's crown jewel in its first party lineup. Uh, he, in a quote, he said, I couldn't be more confident in Neil's ability to carry on running the studio. His message continues. It's the right time for me to provide the opportunity for him and others on the studio leadership team to steer the studio into a successful future. Said changes to the studio leadership team were also detailed in a blog post by co-president Neil Druckmann. Druckmann and, well- and Wells will remain co-presidents until Wells' departure from later this year. Druckmann retains his role as head of creative. Eric Pinagalala and Jeremy Yates join the studio's leadership as co-heads of various art departments at the studio, while Anthony Newman will become head of production and design. Pinagalala has worked at the studio for (laughs) 25 years, eventually uh, ascending to art director. Yates served as lead animator on several Uncharted titles. Anthony Newman is best known for his work as the co-game director of The Last of Us Part Two. Wells's farewell message continued, I quote, I couldn't be more excited about our current projects and not getting to see those games to completion is going to be hard, but we've never had a stronger team in place to ensure that we deliver them in a way that will set industry industry standards and exceed all expectations. That was a mouthy one, but uh, it's pretty big news. The now you know Neil's kind of re- is like the head dog there, as I said in the beginning of the show. But uh, how do you feel about this change in the in Sony's crown jewel? Um, I think it's interesting in the sense that I think it's important news, but for me, it, it didn't really seem. Like, I don't feel like it's that impactful because I always I viewed Neil Druckmann as being top dog for like the past 15 years. 
From what I remember, Evan Wells directed Uncharted Lost Legacy. But besides that, he wasn't leading any of the projects. So while he was like a high level in the company, I don't think we'll feel the effect of it too much. Now, that being said, he was fantastic. Love all the work that he did. I just don't think that him retiring will necessarily change like the direction of the studio or really what they were kind of doing. Yeah, I mean, I agree, because also I like the fact that Naughty Dog, with his departure, just kind of uh, like uh, elevated everybody internally and didn't hire like an outside Mm -hmm. source, which I kind of feel like has been their whole thing. Like Neil and Bruce, they like, you know, earned their stripes and got to where they are now. So I do like that, like company culture of like, you don't hire like a head from outside and we just, you know, next man up. I also always say whenever we talk about new studios being formed or new new titles getting announced with a big name attached to it the the biggest thing to me that will show early that a game is going to be successful is a team behind it that's been consistent and together for a long time so i feel like like just like you're saying i think that's essential to their success is they have a team that they know is really talented and they're not willing to have somebody maybe come in and kind of break up that consistency because i feel like that's really important i any Naughty Dog game that comes out, I don't even need to see it. I'll spend full money on it, like no question, because they just like yeah. haven't missed. And I think it's re- I like you're saying. I think it's really good that they take care of the people within the studio already. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how long Wells's retirement will be. If it's like a permanent thing, I mean, 25 years at a studio—that's a long time in the games industry. And he has you know all-time classics under his belt while he was there. So I wonder if he does do choose to you know in like you know two three years get a little bored sitting at home in his mansion in fucking california he's like well i got millions out why don't i do something why don't i make a new game and then i wonder what he does then bruce strelly did we'll see what he makes we'll, we'll see bruce really does a lot has been doing a lot of talking i don't know you saw what you saw the what he said about the new tom Cruise uh, mission impossible movie yeah where he was like oh yeah i appreciate the shout out to uncharted 2 and it's like but it is. Why would you make a game? It, no, no, no. But it is though. That's that. The thing though is, I I know, I know it is. And not that I've seen the movie. I know you saw the movie, but I'm like, I know if, if what it. I know that it probably is. But it's like, just just make a game. Uh, I guess I think the disrespect is a little bit unwarranted. I think like if you do see the movie, <laughs> it is extremely uncharted too. It's not just like oh, there's you know aspects of this that are similar. It's like no, no, no. Like jump for jump, there's certain parts of obviously a very large sequence in the movie that's like yeah I, this is uncharted too that's exactly what i thought as well so to, and there are multiple parts in the movie too that are not just uncharted 2 there's a section of the movie that i was like oh this is cut out of uncharted 4 like for sure so i when i saw that i was like oh i totally understand where he's coming from i don't think that's a negative thing i thought it was cool even when i was watching the movie i was like hey like that was an awesome thing in uncharted i'm glad that they're using that here Especially for action. Yeah. It's like you can, I mean, how many times are you going to shoot a gun or throw a grenade and it's still cool? You know what I mean? So it doesn't really come off as like a bad thing, but I definitely saw this and was like, yeah, those were Uncharted. And I'm interested what Bruce Trilly has to do because I thought, I don't like understand the kind of just like coverage or disrespect of him that I feel like can be out there. Not from you, but just like in general. I feel like it's weird how there's like a shadowy like air around him. 
Yeah, I mean, I wasn't trying to be disrespectful, but it's more in the fact of like he's just doing a lot of talking. Like he talked, he did. A, I mean, I understand what he was upset with the show coming out earlier this year and not getting credited, which I do agree is fucked for him not getting like, any acknowledgement. But it's like you're just doing a lot of talking right now, and it's like just make a game. Like the best way to get like revenge because it clearly wasn't a good split between him and Naughty Dog or him and Neil personally. I don't know. That's just me kind of inferring, looking from the outside in. It's like just make a good game. I, which I think he can. I think he can too. And I think I think I agree with that point. However, I would agree with it more maybe if I didn't see Mission Impossible. But because I did, like, even without him saying that, I walked out of the theater being like, damn, Uncharted 2, all right. So when I saw that headline, I was just like, yeah, like, that's, that's, too, they're very right. But the thing, too, is, like, I love Uncharted 2 and I fucking love Mission Impossible. So I'm like, I don't really know. Because he, he wasn't really saying it in, like, a negative way, was he? No, no, no. He was just saying, he he was actually saying it's like, it's it's cool that, like, they kind of, like, shout out. Yeah. It's like Uncharted 2 and, like, paid homage. And, it, and it, again, it's nothing, it's a, it's just him. I, I He's in the headlines for not what I want him to be in the headlines for, you know? Yeah. I mean, we'll see. I want to hear, like, Bruce Straley is announcing a new game. Bruce Straley. Well, I mean, he announced his team and he's working. He's working on something. I, I need to see it. All right, that's fair. It's just that's, that's better all, than all, nothing. That's all I want. Just didn't know you were a Bruce Straley hater, seat. you know? I'm not a Bruce Straley hater, but I'm just saying, like, you could have just stayed on Naughty Dog and you just had to be a little bitch, you know? But the thing is, we don't know that that's the case. Like, I feel we like... Don't, we I, don't know what's... The, we, we, you're right. We don't know that's the case and that's unfair for me to say. But again, best payback, just make a great game. I agree with that. I agree with that. I think that's like its own thing. And I agree. Like if you're going to talk, talk, talk. Yeah. You need to like prove what you're talking about and show that you need to show that you have what like, you know, the stuff to to show for it. But I don't know. It's almost tough even with him because it's like, you know, I appreciate what he's done, but he doesn't have Naughty Dog behind him. That's where I'm like, like even just the whole team on its own being so consistent. I'm like, if I don't know. Like I, you know, I'd be really curious about. It. I'd be really curious what Naughty Dog would look like if Neil Druckmann left. Like I, I think, think it that would, would look be different. Oh, I agree. I'm saying I think that would be a the most significant change if between either Bruce Straley leaving or Wells. I think if Druckmann left, that would be the most significant thing. But I'm really curious what kind of effect that would have. I don't feel like the core technical would change that much. I just feel like the direction of the games would be very different. But I don't know if that would be a good thing or a bad thing. Maybe a little less serious. Maybe a little. Which is not a bad thing. Yeah, but maybe a little less serious. I just think that on a technical perspective, they're so they're firing on all cylinders from a technical perspective. I think direction is like depending on the game is like how mm-hmm. it could be. But I, Neil yeah. Druckmann's not going anywhere, so I don't think that's going to happen. It was just kind of opening that up as a as just kind of like a hypothetical. But he's not going anywhere. Curious what Bruce Straley will do, but not super confident what he will do will amount to something because he doesn't have that core team. So like, it's essentially not the same Bruce Straley. Yeah, that, that's true. And it'd, it'd be interesting to see like what he individually brought to the naughty dog, see if he can bring that and then just surround himself with people that can fill in the gaps for him. Yeah. Agreed. But, uh, but moving on, we're still in the naughty dog territory here with the, uh, the last of us, which has received 24 Emmy nominations. And that is just three short of the frontrunner for this year's ceremony, uh, fellow HBO show, Succession, 
which is up for 27 awards. Uh, the Last of Us comes in ahead of The White Lotus, which received 23 nominations, and Ted Lasso, which is up for 21 prizes. Ted Lasso Season 3 is god-awful. Just a fucking PSA out there for me personally, as somebody who liked the first two seasons. Um, but the nominations for The Last of Us include Outstanding Drama Series, Outstanding Lead Actor in a Drama Series for Pedro Pascal's role as Joel. Or as Joel, my bad. I, I read that as I, I just read it mm. and then it's like I read it as my name, my bad. As Joel, and outstanding lead actress in a drama in a drama series, Bella Ramsey's portrayal of Ellie. Among the nominations it received in the outstanding guest actor was uh for both Murray Bartlin, who played Frank, and Nick Offerman, who played Bill in the uh episode three. And then also this Emmys award is scheduled to take place on September 18th, 2023. So if you want to grab your popcorn and see if a uh, last of us comes home with any uh, Emmys. Mark, what do you, what did you think about this? I mean, I wasn't shocked that it got so many. I was shocked that it got, um, Joel Pedro got a uh, lead, like a lead shot. Out. I was like, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think, I think first and foremost, Episode three of the show is incredible. I think like leagues above the rest of the show. I think that episode, I think episode one's my favorite still. I think episode the pilot. Yeah, I think episode three. I think episode three. Sorry, I paused because like every every show's first episode is the pilot. I know that's why I meant to say episode. I, I said episode one, but I'm like I spoke. I, I used to, it's the pilot, you know. I know what I'm saying. But I guess it's, I'm a movie, well, I'm a TV show guy. Well, no, no, no. Let's see, because I guess it wouldn't necessarily be the case anymore. Because a pilot is defined as something that's aired normally a little bit longer than a regular episode, and then depending on how it's received, they like make more of it. But I guess streaming might not be pilots because they have the whole show done already. That is, we true. might have to look that up and return to it. We might have to look it up I and return to it. I don't know the answer like for sure. No, no, no. Pilot's cool. I'm just saying I think pilot was used in regular. Specifically for, yeah, the way you were describing it. Yeah, for like broadcast television. So uh, well, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll look that up and we'll return to that. But I think episode one was fantastic too, right? So I think episode one and episode three were, were highlights. I made it maybe 70% through the show. I did not finish it. I For me, I thought the show was good. I didn't think it was fantastic, especially from my... Not that I'm saying it has to be the same. It's not like that kind of thing. But from my level of love and comfort with the original source material, it just wasn't for me. And that's okay. It doesn't have to be for me. That's not a problem. In terms of just the Emmy nominations, I don't know a whole lot about Emmy ceremonies. I like TV shows, but they're not something that I watch religiously. Although I will say in the past, I would say maybe three or four years, I've had a very tough time with modern TV shows. And I feel like I feel like there's an acceptance for a slightly lower quality of TV shows now than there used to be. I say that because there's been numerous shows that I've watched where I will watch them and then they always hit a point where I'm like, oh, this is bad now. But I know that that might have been a, around for a while, but I felt that more recently. And even with Last of Us, even how you're saying you, I mean, I know you enjoyed the show, but even you're surprised that Pedro is getting a nomination. I like Pedro Pascal. I don't think he did anything specifically in that role that is like worth an award. But I think it's also important to know that we're talking about Emmys. We're not like talking about Oscars, which is a side note I do kind of want to bring up because this was a conversation I was having with somebody else kind of randomly is 
we were talking about A-lister actors, Pedro Pascal might come up in that list, but I don't think he has a single movie that's like a banger. I wouldn't say Pedro Pascal. Is Pedro Pascal A-list? But I guess but- TV. I guess the thing is with streaming now is TV's elevated to the same level as movies. He's in- you're both watching them in your house. He's an A-list celebrity. I don't think he's an A-list actor. Yeah. But I think that's important. He's like a... Is he like uh, Harrison Ford, like the best, like <sighs> mediocre actor? Like it's like he won't. But I feel like he adds a little something. He might no, be no, a no. little bit more. I agree. He might be like a B. I think it's different. So I think, I think it's different in the sense that Harrison Ford, first of all, is where that's just big screen kind of talking and volume. Pedro Pascal has had most of his career in smaller kind of like TV shows, not smaller roles per se, but just like not on the silver screen. It's been small screen. Mm -hmm. So I think, yeah, A-list celebrity. And that's another thing too, with the way that like the internet and passing information works is everyone's kind of doing the same thing at the same time. So when everyone's watching last of us, everyone's like, Oh, Pedro is the best. He is really fucking cool. I really like him. He's really good in narcos. He's good in last of us. He's good, good in, in Game of Thrones. He's good in Game of Thrones. He's great in the movie with Nick Cage. I love that fucking movie. I think it's <laughs> hilarious. But the point still stands that when I think of Pedro Pascal, I can't think of a single like movie role or even show role that I was like, he's like, he's top notch. Like he's the reason this is good. And the Mandalorian, he literally says nothing. Yeah. And that's I didn't and even, I like this show. And I didn't even think about that because I and I don't know if they've done <laughs> interviews or whatnot, but in my head I'm like, there's no way he filmed all that. They just dude, they're gonna have him for that one scene. They're not gonna waste his time or scheduling to film all that with a helmet on. So I'm like, yeah, he did one scene. He didn't do the show. I think he did the show though. Well you that's know, okay. you, gotta, you don't gotta disrespect them. Well, you can wanna believe. That's not me disrespecting him. He did do the show. But that's not me disrespecting him because that wouldn't have been his choice. That's whoever wrote it to have a character who's masked the whole time and try to have a mask reveal be like, oh, it's a cool actor. You think John Favreau doesn't know what he's doing, Mark? Uh, Yeah. I mean, now (laughs) I do. (laughs) And you don't know. You don't know either because it's not even how you say his last name. How do you say his last name? It's like John Favreau. It's Favre. It's spelled Favreau, but it's just Favre. I feel like everybody says John Favreau. I think, but look, you know. look, this could be a whole different topic, right? When we're talking about Rafe or Ralph Fiennes. You remember that? Oh, my it God. It just depends yeah. who you're talking about with some names. I think regardless of all this, I think Pedro's really cool. I don't know if he's top tier. I would like to see him become top tier. I'd like to see him cast in more stuff. But I think... I'm curious to see maybe how the second season of The Last of Us is received, but I do think this wealth of Emmy nominations, for me, more so just speaks to not necessarily the lack of quality of this show, but more so the lack of quality of other TV shows. I I kind of see what you're saying, but this this is the weird year where I've actually seen a lot of the shows that are up for Emmy nominations because I've been in HBO I just, I've just been a slut for HBO, honestly, this whole year. But in the same breath, you also watched Ted Lasso, which is up for 21 nominations. And I said it was ass. I know. So I, that's what I'm saying. But that's like, a, in, you know, everybody loves Jason Sudeikis, you know? Do you think White so Lotus just... deserves 23? Actually curious, Ooh. not in like a pointed way, because I know you watched it. I haven't seen it. White Lotus deserving 23. That sounds like, I'm going to be 23 honest, is sounds a big like number. A that sounds like a lot for that show. It's a great. I was actually <laughs> having this discussion with Pam where it's like it's a White Lotus is like that kind of show where it's like 
it's one of those shows that you forget you watch, but then like somebody mentions it and you're like, it's like a cult classic kind of show. But you're like, oh shit, yeah, White Lotus was good, but it's not like it's not a cult classic like fucking Fight Club where it's like like it's like a generational well, kind of thing. It's more cult classic in terms of like, uh, oh yeah, like that was fun. That was a fun time. Fight Club wasn't a cult. I think cult, I think you. I, I don't know if you're using cult classic correctly. Cult classic is something that was consumed by a small group and then gained popularity later on. I don't think White Lotus was that, and Fight Club was definitely not that. White Lotus, I think season one it was kind of slept on. Like not a lot of people knew about it when it first, and now it's season three, kind of like our season, season two, season two, it got bigger. So I feel like it was like semi like like a like a cult classic kind of thing but again it's not like in that tier of like the pantheon of like great tv shows it's like one of those fun shows that you're like oh fuck like yeah white lotus was a good time i just know but the it's intro. Not like, that's like all anyone ever says is like yeah the intro is the good. intro is amazing the intro is fantastic but yeah no white lotus is you know 23 is a lot but you know hbo is honestly just killing it though another thing that i really just have an issue with joel um, with Pedro and his portrayal of Joel being in the lead actor drama series is that my boy King Viserys from House of Dragons did not get a nomination and he is fucking fantastic and should have easily won this award. I didn't see Succession either, but I feel like Succession is going to clean house anyways because it's the last season, so they're going to give it everything. Yeah, and I feel like I feel like that just makes sense. I feel like I've heard that show has been good consistently and I don't think... And it's only four seasons. They ended it in four, which is rare nowadays. They usually fucking push it out to five or six. It's also not sexy. And the reason why I'm bringing that up is like, I feel like when you hear about Succession, you just hear about the show, but you don't really hear about anything else about it. But it's just good enough that it only stands Mm -hmm. on the merit of its quality. Last of Us, I feel like there's a lot more things at play than just the quality of the show. It's people talking about, oh, well, it's a video game adaptation. And how good is it as an adaptation? And oh, everyone's fighting about if they think Bella Ramsey looks like a good Ellie and like everyone's just like talking about it. And because there's like so much buzz around it, it's not even just about the quality of the actual show, but it also kind of helps them to have it get more Emmy nominations. Cause like numbers wise, Oh, it's massive. Huge. It has, show. Great, uh, it has great interactions online, you know? Exactly. Now this is not me saying that the show is bad. I don't think the show is bad. I'm just saying that I think in an award ceremony, sometimes there can be motivations to prop certain things up for marketing reasons. I feel the same way with what Lotus were like, like, I think a big factor for me liking the show is that like it goes to a, it's like kind of like an anthology series where it's Mm -hmm. like, we're just going to like fancy like uh, hotels. And I love going to hotels and, walking the property grounds and seeing all the clippings and I can do this vicariously in like the most fucking elite hotels in the world. Like I, that's like my favorite thing about white Lotus is like, Oh, where's it going to take place? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel that I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I think it's kind of a different thing and I know I have to finish it or I should finish it, but the bear, I really like, like to cook and watching cooking shows and stuff like that. And the bear obviously has to do with restaurants and cooking. And I thought the first season was fucking incredible. And I'm like halfway through the second season and I don't enjoy it. But everyone I've spoke to thinks is like, oh, like the second season. It's so good. But maybe I have to stick with it. Pam Pam enjoyed the second season. She finished it last night, I believe. And she really enjoyed it. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, Maybe it gets better. I just it feels four or five episodes in. It feels very aimless. It feels like, again, it feels like the first season super tight they knew exactly what they were doing and then the show got popular and i don't know if they were ready for a second season that's how it feels 
See, they were ready for that bag, though. That's what they were, they were ready, ready for. They were ready for that bag. That's true. I think all I was trying to say, though, is that I like the cooking aspect of it. So I understand with White Lotus, like, liking traveling and getting that enjoyment from the show, too. Yeah, so... And again, I, I don't know... See, I don't know if TV as a whole, as a quality, has fell down. It's like, I feel like there's still, like... Every, like, there was always, like, probably, like, two or three great shows going on at a time. But I just think there's so much of it that it's like diluted. So it may be perceived as like, oh, it's like it's worse than it was back then. But it's like it's because there's fucking 19 Marvel shows. There wasn't 19 Marvel shows back in like the early 2000s and 90s. There was just like the good HBO shit and then maybe the good AMC shit. I think the thing is that AMC is not pulling their weight. It used to be like HBO and AMC. AMC just they get, they got to provide something. It's fucking making Walking Dead remakes. I think there is a positive correlation with both movies and shows decreasing in quality in the sense that they don't like i was saying they don't have to stand on their own merits what i mean by that is with movies we know that there's been somewhat of a drop of originality or risks that they're willing to take just because they're not getting that big box office bumper not all of them are some of them are but a lot Mm -hmm. of them are not getting that big box office bump that they used to and Back in the day, they would used to get the box office bump, but then they would also get a second hit when a DVD would release or a Blu-ray would release and people would buy that. And what would happen is, of course, they're going to try their best to make something that's really high quality because that's how you get people in the movie theater or that's how you get people to buy the DVD because they talk about it and they hear that it's really good. A famous example of that would be a uh, Shawshank Redemption where it did okay in theaters, not that great, and then it won a ton of awards and then it fucking killed on DVD. With TV... Just how we were talking about the concept of like a pilot, it used to be your show had to be good enough, like just getting eyeballs on it to live. Whereas now, they'll make a whole season. They don't give a fuck. They'll Episode just one it. comes out. Season two and three are already greenlit. That's the thing. And they'll just throw it out. And so it's like, well, they don't even, it doesn't even have to be that good because it's almost not like earning its place, if that makes sense. Or at least that's how I feel. I feel like movies and shows used to earn their place and were taking risks to see if it would pay off. Whereas now I think it's like, well, there's no point in taking that risk because you're not going to get a benefit even if you do succeed in that. So they just play it safe. And I think the quality of things is a little bit lower because of that, where you just have more things and they're all slightly less quality. I'm not saying they're shit. I'm just saying instead of getting more like tens, you're getting like a lot of like sixes and sevens. Yeah, I, I agree. And also, yeah, like even Netflix doesn't have a banger this year for like shows. Yeah, for a show like it didn't have anything that was in the Emmy competition. I I mean, I think Wednesday was in there and people did like beef, but it wasn't there was nothing like like these HBO shows having like 20 plus noms. Yeah. And and HBO's always been elite. I mean, HBO's always been killing it. I think Netflix has always been a little bit weak. Netflix is like they have Stranger Things and they have a couple of other things. But those other things like people have to describe to you what it is. HBO cards was good in the beginning. Yeah. Okay. I mean, to some people, you really like (laughs) you really like like political drama. So I know you enjoy that specifically. I I watched a couple episodes and I was like, I'm good yeah but it wasn't because the maybe this well the source material i wasn't too interested in but Mm -hmm. so i think that's just like a specific taste thing i don't think that is actually speaking to the quality of the show that's not fair so it depends but we'll see how last of us goes like just it's good to follow it i think that the positive is just that last of us is getting good light the 
potential negative or scary thing is like, are we going to get more adaptations? Probably. I mean, we get, are already having a shit ton on the way. We already got Twisted Metal. It's coming to the cock. Yeah, that doesn't look very good. <laughs> we saw that clip. That does not look very good. It does not look very good, but you know, they're going to try. They're going to try to humanize Sweet Tooth. Well, let's see what Naughty Dog's going to try again, because uh, let's see about this next thing, because this also has so, me worried. This yeah, has us all worried. So an enhanced version of The Last of Us 2 is in the works. Composer reportedly says, Santo Lala. Come on. Who, no, 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 no. You got you. Come on. You, you're Hispanic. Santo Ala. You think I, I feel like you don't say all the L's there. Santo Ala. That's what I would say. Probably. That's what you would say. Then maybe I'm crazy. Yeah. But in my head, I always thought it was Gustavo Santo Ayaya. Like not even like Santo Ayaya. Yeah. I don't know. Santo Ayaya. Maybe we'll we're do that. I like maybe, that. Yeah. I was like, I don't know. Gustavo Santo Ayaya, who is also who also composed the original game and the franchise TV adaptation for HBO mentioned that a new version of part two is in the works during an interview with blender during the conversation. One of the interviewers expressed his delight at playing the game and finding out that. How do you say his last name? Santa. I don't know. I think honestly, I just say Santa and then I kind of just like, well, Santa has a cameo in it. I did not know Santaya has a cameo in the game either. No, neither did I. I saw one. a little clip of it where he's playing an instrument. I think it's in an early part of the game, but I didn't notice oh. it on my first time through, mostly because I didn't know what he looked like in real life, to be honest. that's uh, Yeah, that probably would be the main thing is that I don't know what he looks like. But continuing on, he says, in this section in, the, in question, which can be seen in the video below, the Argentinian musician can be found playing a song with a... Racano, I don't know what that is. According to Spanish language website Valar, Santoaya then reverted that then revealed that a new version of the game is in the works in which players will be able to quote make him play certain tracks before adding that he wasn't allowed to reveal any more information. So apparently, I'm assuming this is probably the beginning part, and you probably can go up to him and like request like certain songs and stuff mm-hmm. like that when you're in like the in the compound but how do you how do you feel about this the last was part two part two depending on what it is right like if it's just a ps5 port and there's some ad like add-ins cool if they try to which they might if it comes out as a last of us two like director's cut type of thing and like mm. they kind of upcharge it and they just add a couple of things here and there i will definitely feel like that is super overstepping like a boundary because even with part one even with part one i still haven't purchased it i'm pretty interested in playing it but i'm still like i i still can't i still can't justify spending 70 to play that when i've played it so much already yeah even despite the it's new additions hard. and i think with with part two not only is it closer just in you know literal time since it originally came out i just finished my platinum with it so that's so recent in my memory i like right now last was part two chapter for chapter i could tell you what happens which would mean if they would try to sell kind of like a director's cut thing maybe it would be great for some people you know that they're trying to get that synergy they would probably maybe want to get this ready for when season two would come out which if it stays on steady track that would probably be like 2025 i would think so but if this is if this would be if this enhanced version is supposed to kind of sync up with that, that would make me think this is more of like a full remake. 
Yeah, possibly. I think that they're I think they're mainly trying to sync it up with the TV show season two. So then, yes, yeah, so then maybe so then maybe it, it would be like a full remake because I can't. See I think it would ha- be a full remake because I think it would be hard because the TV audience is more casual. So you can't like explain to them, like get the PS4 version, PS $10 upgrade. They're like, no, this is the new version, $70, just like they did with part one and you know, get a whole new audience coming in there buying it yeah. for their new system. I think I'm thinking the difference between Last of Us original and remastered versus like mm-hmm. original and part one. So yeah. like if they did probably this, not that big of a difference, that's right? What, that's why I was like, if they did this as just a remastered, I feel like that wouldn't be that crazy. But even them saying like, oh, they're fleshing out the cameo more makes me immediately think like, okay, so they're doing something more substantial to it so fucking around with shit yeah they're fucking hopefully yeah hopefully they don't change too much but i mean it'd be i mean this kind of sucks in terms of like this is what naughty dog's spending their time on dude yes that's how i kind of view it i'm like mm -hmm. can we just can we can we get part three out of here and can we be done with the last of us not that i don't love the last of us but i just like let's get part three i know we're keep on fucking going around the bush being like oh is it coming out are we making a part three you are making a part three we already know it the fucking TV show is doing well. So, of course, you're making a part three because you got to have the fucking you got to have five seasons of the HBO show. So we already know that. Just announce it, make it, release it and get out of The Last of Us. I love The Last of Us. It's a great series, but I can't have Naughty Dog literally make have me for 15 years. The Last of Us studio. I will say I saw on this is on uh, Video Games Chronicle in the comments section. So this guy's name is Zenu. I saw this comment. So I was like, I just had to bring this up for this. It's PS3, The Last of Us 2013. PS4, The Last of Us Remastered 2014. Last of Us Part 2 2020. Last of Us Part 1 22. Last of Us Part 2 Remastered 2024. Last of Us Part 3 2027. <laughs> he like goes on to just list like, you know, like, okay, so. Last of Us Factions 2 will be 2030. The Last of Us Trilogy, 2032. Last of Us Part 1 Remake, Part 2 Remake, and then Part 3 Remake. And then by 2040, we're looking at the Trilogy Remastered. Factions 3 will be at 41. And then I think he's right here on the PlayStation 8. We're going to get the Fast of Us at 2043. (laughs) And then we'll get the, on PlayStation 9, we'll get the Last of Us Trilogy Remake in 2046. I think that's pretty accurate. At the way at the way they're making games is kind of what it is, and I, no disrespect, obviously all the Last of Us games are fucking fantastic, like ten out of ten. Like they're know. not tens. Relax. Part two's not. They're a both. 10. They're both tens. Yeah, here's I would say this. They're I, both masterpieces. They are. Are they not? Uh, I would say the first one is a masterpiece. I would say the second one is amazing. Mm-hmm. I think it is very worth you replaying the second one and us even doing another episode covering that game because I know that. Not of course, not like on on purpose, but I know that I've mentioned parts of the games that have kind of just like slipped out of the memory. So I feel like it would be worth kind of revisiting it to even just on your own now with more time just to like see how you feel about it. Yeah, time time has passed. So I think my view on it could change if I replay it. But from my mind's eye, from what I last remember of it, I think that both games are 10 out of 10 masterpiece games. But and you don't remember large sections of the second one. That's fine. I don't remember half of fucking Red Dead Redemption 2. I just remember how it made me feel. It's not about but what they did Red for Dead, you. It's how they made you feel. Red Dead Redemption 2, I think, is a more unanimous game. Last of Us 2 is a lot more layered, a lot more discussion as to how you feel, what's your perspective, that kind of thing. I feel like remembering the details of it are really, really important. 
I yeah, I mean I agree. But I just remember mainly the ending being like very contentious for people. Obviously there's middle parts that are contentious, but I just feel like it's like every chapter, dude. I really do think you should you I think you owe it to yourself to go back and play it. It's I think I really think it's worth it. Yeah, no, I I do want to play it. And I'll probably play it when Last of Us Three comes out. Because I'd like to do like the replay before the new one comes out. But I still feel as if they're 10 out of 10s. I beat the game once. I That's my statement on it. Obviously, you played it more, so you have more authority, obviously, freshly being done with it. But, again, I love The Last of Us. The great games. I just need yeah. Naughty Dog to get over this shit. Yeah, and they won't. I think we'll, we're going to get this enhanced <laughs> version. I don't know if we're going to get factions. I really wish that we were. Of course, we're talking about like with factions, Bungie has kind of like looked over it and it might not be living up to their standards for a live service game. So I don't know if that will be coming out. But I mean, we know that we're going to get a part three at some point. I really I really feel like I don't think they would on purpose work on part three and then hold it. But I'm wondering if they're shifting to a enhanced version of part two because they just want to sync up for the timing of the show. I don't think there would be enough. I would they would have to release the game in like 2030 what 2030 something I mean to sync up with the show because the show's going to be they're at least doing two seasons of the second game and factions and has, that's not being I don't I what? I I agree that that seems like too long but I almost like wouldn't put it past them now yeah I wouldn't put it past them now that is true like factions should have already been out like no questions asked like it's not that is not a project that should have been taking this long yeah, I mean, like you said, I think it's probably something that maybe just be dead at this point. Yeah, because it's like... They just wasted a bunch of money into it. Yeah, I think there's probably just like a lot of ambition there. But I think also, you know, a lot of these things are just speculation. But I think that mean you probably have a good grasp of what the case is just because we've been like observing the industry for so long. But I feel like with factions, there's probably a lot of pressures on Sony's end. That wasn't even like Naughty Dog's original intentions with it, which made it balloon up to be live service. And then it just kind of like fizzled out or it seems like it's fizzling out. Mm -hmm. Or like the idea of like when you make a live service game, like that's what the studio has to do. It's not like you make like a live service game and then you like let it go. It's like you're continuously working Mm -hmm. on it. And I don't think Naughty Dog's that kind of studio. Yeah. And I... It's something that we're going to kind of return to on a later story is just kind of the discussion of like if these studios want to be working on these things because there mm-hmm. there are some now definitely where there are contracts that are written up where I think does it like the team that's making this do they really want to be working on said project for X amount of years or is that why we see so much shifting in the industry we see so many new teams being formed so many like head creators leaving so I wonder I feel like there's a lot of and maybe this isn't too new, but I feel like there's a lot of from higher up saying, hey, we've got to do this, this and this. And people being like, that doesn't sound interesting. I don't even want to work on that. Yeah, that that's true, too. I think that that's a good point. I think Sony definitely Sony. I think Sony did fuck up the faction situation. And then they, I feel like with the news leaking out that Bungie like basically was like, Naughty Dog's faction is not like addictive enough. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have the stickiness of a live service game also has people being like what the fuck is like what is going on with this game and then why did and why it feels like sony doesn't believe in naughty dog which is kind of weird because it's like that's what literally saved them in the ps3 era i agree it's also it's also 
I'm sure that they have some very smart people at play doing analytics on long-term interaction and playtime, but I feel like it's demanding a lot to be like, hey, we're expecting years out of the player's interest. You should be thankful Mm -hmm. if you get a player to be interested in your game for 100 hours. I think aiming for... That's what I'm saying. That's a lot. Yeah, what else do you want? Like 100 hours is a fucking shit time. I agree. So I'm saying I think to expect a player to be interested in your title for more than a year is... I really do feel like that's unrealistic expectations. Yeah, and also it was supposed to be an accompaniment to the second game. Mm-hmm. Now it has to be this thing that it wasn't even supposed to be originally. Yeah, agreed. So we'll see. I Maybe maybe Factions comes out with the enhanced version. Maybe. All I know is I'm looking forward to hopefully us getting another showcase towards the end of this year. We, I think we need that. I think Sony needs that to calm all the Sony ponies out there. Yeah, I think that'll happen. I think we'll we'll get a look at at some some stuff. But we will take a look at some other stuff that Sony's doing, and it's kind of the stuff that people don't like. And uh, Sony is reportedly boosting PlayStation's R and D spending to drive its live service push. Sony reportedly plans to increase research and development spending at its gaming business by about 10% this financial year. According to Nikki, Sony Interactive's R&D spent during the year's ending in March 2024 will total 300 billion yen, about 2.17 billion USD. That will represent about 40% of the group's total R&D spending for the period, surpassing investments in its electronics and semiconductor businesses. This increase in R&D spending at PlayStation is being used to help drive the company's push into live service games. Sony reiterated in May that it's planning to have 12 live service games in the market by its fiscal year ending in March 2026, up from three in its last business year ended this March. Live service games will account for 55% of its PS5 development budget during the current business year, rising to 60% in the fiscal year ending in March 2026. Sony expects the market for add-on content associated with live service games to reach $19.2 billion in calendar year 2026, compared to $7.4 billion for digital full game sales and $12 billion for subscriptions. So there's a lot of numbers I threw at you, but basically Sony is going all in on the live service and is now throwing more even more money behind it even though we already know that this was supposed to be a big initiative now not only has playstation got behind it but sony itself it's really interesting how much the number that stands out to me is the 19.2 billion in add-on content it is really surprising to me how many how much money is reported to be earned on add-on content versus people purchasing new full titles that's why they're that's why they're pushing it because who else would like they're a platform in themselves so they see how much money and they they get the money too they see how much money they make off Call of Duty and they make off of Fortnite, Genshin Impact, all these live service games and all all that real outside of Call of Duty all that real revenue comes from add on content at this point. Yeah, I think it's like I would want to meet some of these people because it's that thing where when the discussion comes up about performance mode and resolution and the statistic is that most people would prefer a resolution. That's surprising to me Mm -hmm. because I feel like the people that you see 
I mean, I guess there's all different sections of the internet, but a lot of times in comment sections that I'm in, which are probably specific content that I'm following, so maybe not as toxic or majority of opinion, but a lot of times I don't see the that. I see like, okay, we want frame rate, we don't want resolution, for example. Or yeah. similarly, a lot of times I most I mostly see the argument of like, why are people buying all these stupid fucking skins for $30? Like that's what I see over and over again. So it's surprising to see these numbers reflect the complete opposite where it's like, oh, well, there must be a lot of those idiots because clearly they're paying for this. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just, it it's almost impressive to me like that. They make so much cash on that, but you know, it's such a, it's such a poor value. Like even yeah, Saints Row might not be a great game, but I'm paying 20 something dollars for that when you can pay 20 something dollars for like skins or a season pass. You can get Homelander for that much money. Yeah. And Call, and of, Call Duty. of Duty. That's true. Yeah. I think what's also concerning is that the digital full game is the lowest out of the three, um, like, you know, that they have projected for the year 2026. Because even subscription is 12 billion which is almost double the 7.4 billion that they assumed that digital full games are going to make. So it's just kind of a concerning future for the landscape of games. I don't even think it's necessarily a Sony issue. I think Sony's just adjusting to the ongoing landscape changes. Yeah, it's a free to play. It's a free I think it's a it's a free to play or very cheap entry and then people mm-hmm. getting getting like kind of tossed around value wise later it's the i don't know if you've ever heard the saying it's really it's really expensive to be poor i don't know if you've ever heard that but what that what that saying is like the idea of and this is uh, this isn't me like calling the people who play these games poor it's just a saying but think about the idea of they're poor in mind think about the idea of like purchasing a car it's expensive Mm -hmm. but once you pay it off you're done with payments and you own that it's mm-hmm. the the saying of like it's expensive to be poor is the idea that you might not have a high ticket price getting in as the entry, but you spend way more in the long run. And I like that's yeah. the kind of thing where it's like, okay, well, you got a free to play game, but you spent what you spent seven hundred dollars on Call of Duty. You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. Like, no, no one has to do that. But those games are definitely designed to frustrate you and make you play those kind of things. I mean, you play even 2K, you're spending 70 to get in the door. You can't load that game up without getting five ads. <laughs> yeah, the ads are egregious in 2K. Yeah, and so, I mean, it's a lot of games have that where it's crazy. Like, I, not that it was a super well-reviewed game, but like Exo Primal, I didn't even want to go into it because I was watching a review for it, and it's like, as soon as you boot up the game, you get just numerous screens of like, get this skin, get this skin, get this battle pass. But that's a full $60 game. And so I think yeah. something that's worrying is we're now in an era where it's not just free to play with microtransactions, but it's also full price. And then as soon as you get in, it's the same shit. Hopefully with those games where it's like a ticket price to get in the door and then they also charge all that bullshit outside of Call of Duty, I do hope that they just kind of, they'll naturally die. And I think that that's why those I don't games think they won't will do well. Like, I don't think Exo Primal is going to last. No, I don't think Exo Primal will last. But, like, I think that there are games that will survive, but will just be not as good because of the microtransactions. An example I would have for that, even if it's only at a light level, would be Gran Turismo 7. 
they ruined that game yeah. with microtransactions and the economy, but that's like even like a light version of it. Like there's no battle pass. There's not necessarily expansions, but they fuck. I think a battle pass would be fun though for Gran Turismo. Though. I mean, the thing is, is the, the only thing that we know for sure is that it's not at, at its full potential. Yes. And so I do think that Sony live service games will charge you full price to get in. And I do think they will have kind of annoying monetization around it too. Yeah. That's the thing too, is that like with Concord and fair games like those games were obviously not received well but nobody even knows like are those free to play or are you, are you you're paying, paying to get in i think you're paying no questions asked i don't think any of these games I are free if they're free in fair quotes games looks free if they're free in quotes they're included in yours in your extra subscription okay but even that's, that's fair but that's not free still I mean, you know, that's, it's that's not. as close as you can get to free. It's cheaper, that's true. But I'm saying that none of these games will be free to play base for everyone. They won't be. Well, for these games to be successful, successful, they have to have an easy access point. So whether it's tied to the subscription service or just straight up free to play, I don't necessarily think that that's inherently bad because I think it would be more annoying if I had to pay $40 and then also get fucked. I disagree. You know why I disagree? Because what? I think that was true in the era of unknown studios making those games. But if you have Naughty Dog making a game, you're paying for it. People will be interested in it. You have like the big dogs making these games. Maybe not true with like some of the newer studios. Those ones, they might have to be a little bit more risk averse with. But like mm-hmm. a factions, if that comes out and they like charge you full, which I guess I don't know the state of the game, but let's say that was to come out at full price. People would buy it because it's Naughty Dog. I don't think we. I mean, I would buy it, and I would too. But I'm saying I think we haven't had an era where that style of game was being made by top developers. It's normally been upcoming teams or like side things that you don't know about. So because of the uncertainty, you want it to be free. That's true. I I agree with that. So it's going to be interesting, especially the Sony first party if they dabble in that. But honestly, outside of Naughty Dog, I don't think anybody else has teased that. Like I don't think Sucker Punch. Santa Monica. They haven't teased uh, it, but we also don't know what they're doing. We don't know what they're doing, but as Santa Monica, we don't really don't know what, what they're doing. But we know Sucker Punch is making, you know, Ghost of Tsushima two or Ghost of whatever island. Well, yeah, La- say. Naughty Dog's making part three, but what's coming out first? Dog- right. Well, for all you, for Ghost of Tsushima two is coming out before. For all part we three. know, they're focusing on Ghost of Tsushima, uh, like the Legends mode. Oh hell no! Get the fuck out of here. People liked it. People, I mean, yeah, but people like everything. And but people liked it not for it. And to Bungie's eyes, it didn't like you know ruin people's life, and they didn't play it for five years straight. So it's not well, not yet. sticky enough. Not yeah, not yet. We'd have to see what Bungie's what their view of of it is. Which is so all I know is Bungie Bungie Marathon better be fire because Bungie's coming out talking a lot of shit right I now. I agree, and I played Destiny not that long ago. Destiny is good, but I still never understood how somebody could play destiny for so long yeah i mean i guess it's like the only like first person shooter another thing too destiny i think destiny is pretty aggressive in its monetization oh yeah with those expansions oh yeah you can't even play the game well there's also season passes and battle passes and entries and going oh you want to do a raid you got to hit that power level you want to hit that power level well you got to play all the missions in this expansion and that expansion and oh your guns suck (laughs) even though it's randomly generated why don't you get an exotic guaranteed an exotic yeah. if you get the pass like come on that could, that could be much. sony 
Well, that, that's what it looks like the future is a Sony. But let's talk about the present with Sony and the free games you get with your PlayStation Plus Extra subscription, which are not free. There you go. But we like to say they're free. We like to say they're free. So this is for the extra and premium tiers. Tiers. Uh, so it's actually a pretty good list this year or this month. Uh, so the first one on the the highlight I think is it takes two for PS4 and PS5. Sniper Elite Five for PS4 and PS5. Snow Runner for PS4 and PS5. World War Z for PS4 and PS5, which is interesting. Uh, the Ascent for PS4 and PS5. Undertale for PS4. SpongeBob SquarePants Battle for Bikini Bottom Rehydrated for PS4, which was previously an Essential Plus game. And Melty Blood Type Lumen for PS4. Dismantle for PS4 and PS5. Circus Electronic for PS4. Dynasty Warrior 9 for PS4. Samurai Warriors 5 for PS4. My Little Pony, a Maritime Bay Adventure for PS4 and PS5. Fast and Furious Spy Racers Rise of Shifter for PS4 and PS5. And then now this is for the premium category, the classic games. Uh, Gravity Crash Portable for PS4 and PS5. And uh, two highlights are Twisted Metal 1 and 2 for PS4 and PS5. All right. So what do you think? This is a pretty, I would say the extra is okay, but the classics are grade A this month. Yeah, I think this is a similar case to, for other people, this is probably fantastic, but for us, it's a little different. I have It Takes Two. I have Sniper Elite 5. I have Undertale. I don't have World War Z, so that's interesting. And then in terms of the premium titles, I actually don't know what Gravity Crash is. I would have to look it up. But the fact that it says portable, I don't know if any of the PSP games that they've added have had trophies. I could be wrong on that. But because I don't know if they do, that immediately doesn't interest me as much. Twisted Metal 1 and 2, great. If they have trophies, fantastic. We know that there are rumors that they're going to be working on a Twisted Metal game, which makes sense because there's a Twisted Metal show. So... It's good that they have these added on here. I feel like this is kind of just brightly signaling like, hey, that is going to happen. Twisted Metal's coming back, baby. I would think so. But then again, I don't... Then again, let me stop myself because they did put every... uh, I'm even forgetting the name of them, but they put so many... Siphon filters. Yeah, they put all the siphon filters on here, but they didn't necessarily announce a new one. So, But they didn't have a TV show. That's true. That's what I'm saying. So there is a different thing. So I think because they have the TV show, they want that synergy. And Twisted Metal, yeah, I mean, that sounds good. I If those have trophies, I think that's awesome. I think that's a good addition. It's good to see that they're done with siphon filter. (laughs) I don't think... Yeah, they can't pull no more. There's no more siphon filter games, though. But um, no, I think this is a really good uh, list in terms of the classics. The extra, you know, I mean, you got your lowlights with the My Little Pony Fast and Furious shit. But if you if you don't have It Takes Two, that's a, a fantastic game from everybody I heard that played it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an excellent game. But uh, but that's all I have for the for the PlayStation Sony centric news, Mark. What do you get some interesting stuff to tell us? Yeah, we'll flip over to a number of stories. We're starting with Call of Duty. So there's a couple of things with this recently. So Xbox has signed a binding agreement to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation post acquisition. Now, this has been updated since the announcement saying that basically this deal will be confirmed to last for 10 years and is only relevant to Call of Duty. So this is not like Activision saying it'll be a host of titles. It's just saying Call of Duty will be on PlayStation for 10 years, at least under this agreement for sure. 
This is important as this comes with the acknowledgement that the income generated from sales of Call of Duty on PlayStation are a vital point, like part of it, of the purchase. So it's not going to be going anywhere. This is something that me and Joel have spoke about and something that we kind of already knew because you can't make a purchase of this size and just have an income source disappear. So this makes sense. But now for anyone who was maybe worried about it, it has been confirmed like 10 years, no question asked. This is what's going to happen. My guess is that would probably just renew again after the 10 years, unless we were in a completely different environment where Xbox was on top, which I don't really see happening, but we would see like we, we'd have to wait basically. But I think that would just be an agreement that would go in perpetuity. They would just have, but you can't make a contractual agreement that works like that. So they would have to just renew it. Yeah. I mean, 10 years is a long time, so shit can change. But um, that's true. You would hope that you would hope that PlayStation would stay strong. I think Xbox within that 10 years is definitely going to come up. I don't think it's going to get trounced the way it has been for the past two generations. You would just assume with just how much they own and how much how many games they should be making or should be releasing. But eventually you'll start clicking and, you know, start going in full cylinders and Game Pass will have, you know, brand new AAA games every single month. That has yet to be seen, but um, that's the I thing mean, where you th- would think, but it's already been more than ten years since they've really been in the conversation of competition. Yeah, it's been it's been a hot minute. It's been it's, what a generation and a half already. I think so. I agree. So we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, that's more of a wait and see. But I mean, this is why Jim Ryan didn't sign the deal initially because he was like, well, like his with, and also the famous email that got leaked where it's like. I just want to block your fucking merger. Or I think you just said, I just want to block your merger. I don't think he threw the F-bomb no, he didn't in there, but that'd F-bomb be kind of badass. In. If he threw the F-bomb in there, that'd be kind of badass. But where it's like, this deal had to be offered to him, even if they went through. It's not like they could, because then they would go back on everything they said during the FTC trial, where there's like, there's no intention of taking it away from PlayStation. So yeah. And, Acti- and also that Activision, that seems to be up in the air too. Yeah. I've seen that as well. It's, it's a, obviously they they won the the FTC trial, but then the merger still kind of there may be some appeals. There may still be a, amendments to the actual merger that maybe make Call of Duty permanently like third party within like law or something I like mean, that. Bobby K doesn't seem that happy either. He openly expressed his feelings about like having it on Game Pass and not wanting it there. He doesn't want to do that, but Bobby K is also going to be walking out with a fucking $450 million parachute if the deal goes through. So I think he's fine. Yeah, that's true also. So kind of moving on from that, we have the NBA Summer League is going on right now in Las Vegas. And there were posts on social media basically where Call of Duty 2023 has been shown to some of the NBA players that are playing at the Summer League. This year's edition is supposed to continue from where mw2 left off and is being led by sledgehammer games with assistance by the other call of duty studios images have been posted which show and these are kind of like unofficial images but they're basically in a room and you know with a number of pcs probably and screens around people playing it and the screenshot basically shows that while they are playing like call of duty 2023 in quotes they're playing warzone so what they're probably doing is playing the next Warzone map, which we know would be Los Almas because that was teased in the campaign for MW2. You could see a map. So we kind of knew that that was going to be the case. And Modern Warfare 2 was originally announced to have a two-year life cycle. So Jason Schreier has reported that this 2023 version was described as being something that could stand alone as a full price release, but is also an expansion to MW2. 
So any weapons and maps and anything like that from 2022's Call of Duty would carry over to this next one, but it's still a full price release. Like they're not giving you that shit for free is basically what they're saying. They're basically saying, yeah, this, they're, they're basically, like it's, it's not a full price release; it's an expansion, but the expansion is seventy dollars as much as a game. Correct. They're basically saying that's how I take it is that this is what the year two content would be, but they're gonna charge you seventy for it, and you're gonna get most of it in a single setting, more so than getting it spread out, which is the way it should have been. Which is why me and Joel probably kind of like died out of Warzone and Call of Duty a little bit. It's because the drip of content was way too slow. And I think it's probably because mm-hmm. they just want to save it, get a $70 pop, and then act like that's a brand new title. And the reason I'm saying it kind of like this too is I it's July 17th when we're recording this and they haven't announced it. I think that's super strange. That would be... Yeah, Call of Duty's usually... Call of Duty would have been at one of these showcases. It's normally early summer. It's normally late spring, early summer. It's normally like in between maybe like late April and early June. So this late in the game... I mean, if they announce it, even if they announce it next month in August, if they are ready to go in October, that would be an insanely quick turnaround. So I think they're trying not to announce it because I think a lot of people still have the idea that MW2 is like something that's going to keep getting supported, but that's not going to happen. They're going to give you this one and you're going to pay full price for it. And not only did we hear about Call of Duty 2023 uh, this week, we heard about Call of Duty 2024. So... Nice. The actor, or there's an actor that claims he is the main character for Call of Duty 2024. It's reported to be a Black Ops title led by Treyarch set in the Gulf War. Actor Luke Charles Stafford has claimed on social media he is the main protagonist named Ratcliffe and has shown videos of himself in mocap. The character Ratcliffe could be based on Major Peter Ratcliffe, who was a British Army soldier who was awarded the Distinguished Conduct Medal during the Gulf War. He later published a memoir called Eye of the Storm. So they feel like this makes sense, right? You're going to get a Sledgehammer Call of Duty this year. You got a Treyarch one next year. How do you feel about like this information? Gulf War and as, has, is a war that hasn't really been covered in many video games or fiction in general. So that'd be fun. Um, Treyarch making it, you know, Treyarch used to have it like a, used to be known as like the good single player Call of Duty studio. They've recently fell below that and not really have been the best. I honestly think Infinity Ward has been the best in terms of making single players recently. So hopefully they reclaim that title, make a good single player. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the Gulf War is an interesting time period in terms of weapons and like uh, like technology. Like it's kind of going a step back from modern warfare. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. And I think Cherk has kind of been given the sloppy like projects over the past couple of years because even cold war they took over from sledgehammer so they haven't been able to like fully produce a title i would say since black ops 4 and even black ops 4 i know is a troubled production so i'm curious how but that one was really good though. i agree and that was troubled so i'm saying like i'm curious how good a game would be under their belt that was from start to finish just from them not just from them but you yeah. know led by them wow. yeah i definitely think that they 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 deserve a shot to like make actually a Call of Duty game like unhindered unhindered by like other bullshit. But aren't you said that aren't they working on the zombies for the new one? So a kind of rumor or you know just kind of going theory at the moment is that Warzone is running and they're going to do these single player releases with multiplayer and DMZ is Infinity Ward's thing and that maybe Outbreak would be Treyarch's thing and that would also go alongside this year's Call of Duty. 
like that would be something in addition. So like Warzone will get a new map, but now there's also DMZ and there's also Outbreak. That would be a lot, but it also doesn't, it doesn't sound unrealistic to me because I feel like what Call of Duty does want to do is they want to make it seem like there's a lot, but when you get to playing whatever it is, they're pretty surface level once you get in. Yeah, definitely the Outbreak and... I mean, Warzone, I feel like, really hasn't been... How many... Had a lot of innovated... Yeah, they've had a couple of new types of maps. There's been Ashika Island. There's been Vondel recently. But I think even just like... If you're looking at Almazra, I th- I feel like Almazra has gotten almost no love over the course of its time. Yeah. Like, that's just gotten forgotten. So we'll see with Call of Duty, I think... So first, I mean, first and foremost, right, there's annual Call of Duties are not going anywhere, clearly. Whenever they made Mm -hmm. that announcement of they're going to start doing two-year cycles, that's obviously not going to be the case. It sounds like we're going to get them annually. I'm interested in the Gulf War one specifically because it's being led by Treyarch. I'm not super interested in the one that would be releasing this year, and the fact that it hasn't been announced is not really a good sign to me. Definitely. I wonder how they're going to announce it because they're going to have to, like, you're like, oh, yeah, we said two years, but this is like an expansion. But you can also just buy it as a single disc. And it's like, what the fuck? Is it going to be like Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 colon something? I think they're just going to call it MW3. I think they're just going to call it MW3. Because, okay. well, I guess, yeah, I mean, Call of Duty is released annually, so it's not long enough ago. But if you go back and you play the campaign of the most recent MW2 you could see how it could just be heading towards something just straight up called MW3. Yeah, definitely. So I think that will probably be the case. Mm -hmm. But we'll find out. Sadly. Yeah. They lied to us. That's all we know. They did, but they, they just want the 70 bucks. I mean, even remember like season passes aren't regular anymore. Now you also have like that black cell battle pass, which is even more expensive and can't be purchased with COD points. That's all right. That's okay. Gotta love it's it. All right. It's all right. Gotta love it. I'm going to go take a piss while you do the next story. Excellent. So moving on from Call of Duty, we've got Assassin's Creed codename Red, which could be targeting a 2024 release date. Now, there was a LinkedIn post which was found in which Ubisoft was looking for a Japanese sponsoring partner for what they say is the biggest blockbuster of 2024. This post has since been edited to not say biggest blockbuster of 2024, but just to say of next year. And Codename Red was announced last September and will feature two playable characters with a focus on stealth set in feudal Japan. The open world action RPG is being developed by the team behind Assassin's Creed Odyssey. And the next title after Codename Red should be Codename Hex, which was announced at the same time. So these were announced in September of 22, kind of when Ubisoft had a blowout of what was like the roadmap for the future of Assassin's Creed. And basically we know this year we're getting Assassin's Creed Mirage and next year would be this Shinobi fantasy feudal Japan codename red. And then after that would be codename hex, which from the images or from what I remember, it kind of looks like kind of like witch or maybe more magic. Cause they showed a, I don't know the word for it, but like sticks kind of forming the Assassin's Creed logo kind of stuck together. So I think they're trying to do these kind of on an annual release again, I guess not that different from Call of Duty. Assassin's Creed went for bigger and not annual, and now it looks like they're trying to go smaller, but they're going annual. So that seems to be the case there. I'm interested how Mirage will do. I think that people have been wanting a Japanese setting for this for a really long time. So I think that makes sense. And 
do you have what do you have any interest in a japanese assassin's creed this is supposed to be the one uh, coming next and then hex would be the one the next year so i wouldn't be interested in it if they're gonna like bastardize it and make it like the huge open world rpgs that they've done with the other Assassin's Creed, like Odyssey, which I see as being developed by that team specifically, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it's because it's obviously it feels like now they're biting off of Ghost of Tsushima when Ghost of Tsushima was kind of biting off of them. But it's like it's too little too late. Like they missed their opportunity to make this. And now it's going to be inevitably compared to Ghost of Tsushima, which is just innately going to be a higher quality game than any of these Assassin's Creed games. I think it'll be Mirage size. Oh, you think it's going to be smaller? If it's smaller, then it has potential. Well, so because the, they're they're regardless, it has potential. People are going to buy it, but you know what I mean, like potential to be like really, really fucking. Good. So I think if it's if it's targeting a twenty twenty four release date, I think they're trying to make them smaller and make them annual again. I think that's what they're okay. trying to do. Like even similar to and Call of Duty, like, they don't want they don't want to have that two year gap. That's less money. So I think they're probably going to try to make these smaller, like Mirage, probably this one, and then the next one after, and probably just do it annually. Yeah, and they always keep on saying this, focusing on stealth. I see this with Mirage too, and I and I'll believe it when I see it. But the Assassin's Creed games, the combat is the weakest part always. The it's like the world and the characters, like. Assassin's Creed Odyssey was so good because Cassandra specifically, when you picked her to be your main, she was like a really good character and made it fun and interesting. You wanted to go explore the world with her. Mm -hmm. But if they can make it, bring it back to that actual like assassin Creed, like stealth, like the original ones, that'd be kind of cool. Even though I wasn't a fan of those games, but like that, I like that it was, I like that Assassin's Creed felt different from other games. Now it's kind of just blended into like a generic open world. Yeah. And I think there have been pluses and minuses since then. I thought the creativity and the settings now is significantly better than the original games. But mm-hmm. I agree that that is being weighed down by the mechanics being more generic. Yeah, definitely. So, but hopefully they get their shit together. I'm, I'm looking forward to Mirage to see what it is, see if it's really going back to its roots or not. And then, assassin's creed red if they call it assassin's creed red too that'd be kind of cool yeah that would be cool i'm sure that they won't i'm sure they'll try to come up with something but they're probably like running out of japanese words to use with all the other japanese inspired <laughs> games coming out i know yeah they, ronin's already used mm-hmm. you can't use ghost can't use ghost is already can't tied. use any phantom blade no so yeah they're fucked there's yeah we'll, we'll see i i guess codename red would be cool though yeah, I feel like Assassin's Creed Shinobi would be a good name. Ooh, that'd be badass. I think it sounds like an old school game too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think I think that would be a good name for it. That would be cool, and also it could do like because Ghost of Tsushima is like it's a great game, but it's not like really traditional or like makes sense with the time period. Like they can be more historically accurate with this one and differentiate itself in that way. Have like the mode from Origins. Mm-hmm. Where it's like educational, yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, I I do really want to see what Mirage is. I feel like I have, Mirage is going to set the tone for me, and like in terms of my excitement with the next future wave of Assassin's Creed games. Yeah, I agree. I will say that I'm more excited for this Code Name Red than the Hex one, though. 
then what's hex supposed hex to be hex is if you're so they announced these at the end of last year if you remember codename red they kind of just showed somebody leaping onto like a feudal like japanese building like on the roof of it hex kind of showed like a the assassin's creed logo made out of like sticks or wood you know kind of like witchcraft looking oh. but i don't know much more about it than that and i just think i think they, that would be next year's title back. they could be going back to like the united states like colonial times like witchcraft yeah. For me, that doesn't sound too interesting. That sounds fun. I would. I, I actually want to play Assassin's Creed Three. I didn't play that one, but like the idea of like going back to like Colonial America sounds badass. We have it. You could play it. And we we have everything. That is true. We do have everything. Money doesn't <laughs> exist. Speaking about money not existing, Need for Speed Most Wanted is apparently getting a remake. That would. Which one? So Need for Speed Most Wanted <laughs> remake coming next year, according to voice actor. So specifically right because that is a very valid question is it would be of course the 2005 one because i think the 2005 one is the one that people really enjoy i think the 2012 one was good i don't think it's a most wanted game i just thought it was a good need for speed Mm -hmm. now specifically this tweet is from simone bailey she says need for speed most wanted remake is being released in 2024 like and comment if you want to see Cross, Dean McKenzie, and his partner, Simone Bailey, her, hunt down the most wanted. And then she tags like at EA Criterion, Need for Speed, Need for Speed Most Wanted Remake, which like, obviously this isn't something that was announced. So if it is actually something that's real, she definitely should not have posted this. She she <laughs> was a character in the 2005 one, which would lead to believe that they wouldn't be doing the 2012 one. It would be the 2005 one. Yeah, I mean, if they remake this game, this is like everything I want. Like in a Need for Speed game, this would be like a fever dream almost. Honestly, remaking this specific Most Wanted, it's my favorite Need for Speed game. I think it's most people's favorite Need for Speed game. It felt like it was the height of the series. You know, it had great car selection. The story was kind of cool. The whole pink slip system. It was just, it's just a good fucking time, honestly. I think that it would be cool i think that i don't understand the disrespect of underground i either of them the first one or the second one because if you like they already did another most wanted in 2012 and hot pursuit has had remasters and like remakes reboots whatever but they haven't like done a underground proper like a proper on i feel like an i feel like an underground remake or whatever would be a little bit more like warranted like more necessary yeah i i agree with you there honestly either one of those you can't go wrong with but i think most wanted is definitely the one with the most like uh brand recognition so that's probably why they're pushing that one definitely an underground like you know just combine one and two make it in one game and just need for speed underground that'd be really fun yeah i mean so we'll see i think if it's criterion who's doing this who did unbound also cool I thought Unbound, I think Unbound is good. I just think that there are some good original ideas to the structure, although they can be frustrating. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if they. And visually, that was the cool thing about it with like the anime art style. Yeah, I agree. So, if they go back and they remake Most Wanted, cool, I guess. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I would prefer that to a new game. What I would be curious about, though, is do you think if they're going to remake Most Wanted, do you think they'll keep the same car list or do you think they'll have the car list be like modern versions of those cars? 
I would want it to be the same cars. I I understand but that. I don't want a I don't want a new BMW M3. I want the original but BMW do you think M3. They would do that? The E46. I think they would. If it's a most wanted remake, I think you would do that. It would be kind of stupid as fuck to update all the cars because well, like that's not the point of. Yeah, but it would be stupid to make a 2012 game named Most Wanted and it's not fucking Most Wanted. So I wouldn't put it past them. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past them, but I think that they would keep. I would think of anything they would keep that original carless and expand. Yeah, the expansion you pay you for, hope. though. Fuck off! No, we're not paying for that expansion. What do you mean? Of course you what are. Was, the most wanted that carless wasn't even that big. I probably was like seventy cars or something like that. Well, I. That's I don't know. Carless are not very big in games now. I think we hit peak towards like late ps3 generation and then they started to shrink as the complexity of the detail in the cars got higher yeah which makes sense it's it's harder you know make your models and i think gran turismo 5 having the the cars that weren't actually uh in like interiorly designed that shit would never slide nowadays like imagine if gt7 had that people would rip it to shreds but i did like that idea because i had more cars yeah and that's we accepted it just because it was more cars at the time yeah, but now that would be unacceptable. I think, yeah, I agree with that. I think really the only number that you've got to focus on is like for Gran Turismo, it's just Gran Turismo versus Forza, like which one has a higher number. Mm-hmm. And I think Forza has a higher number every single time. Yeah, as a recent, yes, so, definitely. I think, But either way, back to Need for Speed. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess this is cool. And I feel weird about it. It's one of those things that gives me no reaction. Which why do you I f- feel weird? Yeah, why do you feel weird? What's wrong? Well, I thought you would be excited about this. I was excited when I saw this because I feel like, I feel like, remaking, remaking a racing game. If it is a remake, by the way, right? Because they haven't really said anything. This is one person speaking about it who is not in like charge of the marketing. So going off of what she's saying, if it is a remake from it and they keep it like really original, I don't know how interested I am in that just in the sense that I feel like racing games, you just make a new one and iterate on it. But I don't know if you need or I can't think of a single racing like reboot, remaster, remake or anything like that that I thought was like really good or my favorite version of that game. I mean, yeah, I guess you would just want a new one, right? Like, you don't want Midnight Club 2 Dub Edition Remake. You just want the new Midnight Club. Because it's already going to be essentially the same. I think that's my thing. I think with racing games, they're 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 very iterative, but in small ways. Like, they'll add little twists, but largely speaking, you're going to update the driving model. You're going to put a couple more cars in, and there's going to be a different economy system and a different map. And I'm okay with that. I love that. I don't mm-hmm. need... Is and if anything, maybe if you think about like Need for Speed Unbound, if there's too much of a change, that can be like not appetizing. Fuck it up a little exactly. Bit. So I think with a racing game remake, I'm like that seems like you're really taking the shortcut when I don't feel like you have to do that much. For like an example of that, which we'll talk about later, is like Test Drive. That's not a remake; it's just a new one. It's probably going to be the same shit, but like that sounds great because it's new. It just doesn't have that same. I don't know. I guess feeling to it. Like the crew motor fest. That's fucking Forza horizon. It is. <laughs> yeah. But for PlayStation, but it's though, different because it. it just has a different name. So it'll be like, Oh, well it's different. Yeah. I guess. That's a, yeah. 
But racing game Need for Speed in general has been in a weird spot. That's true. Like this, like the Need for Speed 2015 one, which I like and I still think is the best one of the recent I ones. Agree. I think I like it more than Unbound, and I liked it more than Heat, and I liked it more than uh, what was the one I was Payback, the Fast and Furious one. So those games, especially Heat, was just very boring. Heat was very boring once you finished it. I remember that. I remember finishing it and then being like, I can't go for this platinum because it's so boring. Yeah. It was just kind of empty. It's also, and I feel like it's also that economy. So it's that economy shit. I feel like there's so many racing yeah. games with fucked up economies now. Where like even Need for Speed Heat, I remember getting to the end of it and being like, I feel like earning money is like a pain, and building cars a specific way is annoying. And I'm not trying to have this like oh end game loop. I know I don't want to play a racing game forever. What we need to get back to is we need to get back to fucking Midnight Club 3. Once you like 100% it, everything in the garage is free. That's what we need. Ooh, that's oh, nice. gosh, it was awesome. So good. Or even Gran Turismo 5 when they introduced those fucking daily races where you'd get like millions and and tickets and you just get so many cars and so much money so fast. Yeah, and you know who complained about it? Fucking nobody. It's really a shame because I think like racing games have definitely uh have gotten fucked over the most with the whole like microtransaction things in like the most quietest way because it's like i feel like that's like a smaller subsection of games and especially like the gamers that are online like that are like vocal like the racing community is kind of like you know it's it's a niche and it's it's a niche within a niche so it's like it's like these games have been ruined now like you said like it used like the goal was to buy everything in the garage now it's like i can buy like five cars yeah that's true yeah it's like even even if there is a lot of cars in it i might not even get to all of them which Mm -hmm. is nice when they have games where you have a random like you get you earn random cars but i know even with it's a separate thing so i can move past it quickly but i know forza like the new forza motorsport they said they're making an effort to like you get everything slower which is like (laughs) I guess that I know I've fuck? heard an argument for horizon where you get things too quickly, but even then you're probably not getting like a full garage. Yeah. I mean, you might get like a really fast car, but you're not, you, I think horizon, it does a good job of giving you. Shit. I agree. And also horizons problem in making the cars not seem valuable is something that Joel has articulated really well in the past. It's not about the pace at which they give you money or cars. It's about the way they set up events. And that's a yeah. problem with just like that's yeah, that's just a problem with the way they set up events. That's not a problem with how they get you, give you stuff. I want 100 cars, but give me a race that will limit me on what cars I can use. We're, I don't want to. Yeah, where I have to drive like the 95. Civic. Yeah, I don't want to be like the thing with I remember the thing with fours that that's annoying. It's like I got to know the fucking meta of cars and classes. Yeah, that, that and I think that that also ruined racing games because that shit's in like Unbound too. Because I saw like, oh, this mm-hmm. is the best B class car, and it's like that fucking sucks. It does. Like, like it's like just stop like fucking stop like commodifying everything and try, stop trying to be like the best. Like just figure it out on your own. Yeah, but I, which I guess you don't have to engage with that content. Nah, sure. but Unbound is a little bit frustrating because like you you can mess up you can get a car and not know that you're going to win that duplicate of that car or like miss a day. And it's just, so with me, I never bought a car in that game for that reason alone. Cause I was like, I don't know what I'm going to get. So I'm just saving my you money. Get what's at the end of the week. I know you get that, but I'm saying there's also like random events during th- throughout each week where you can win a and car. And if you miss those, then you just like, 
you'll get you can get them later i guess once you beat the game it's like a week just always repeats and you'll get random cards but like again that's after the game's already done why would we want that's that's that end game shit where i'm like why would somebody want to keep playing it yeah so we'll see yep we'll see now ea is hiring for a third star wars game Respawn is hiring for a principal game writer and a senior VFX artist with Unreal Engine 5 experience being a big plus. The series director has said that he would like to make a trilogy. Of course he would. He's going to get that bag. The release of Jedi <laughs> with the release of Jedi Survivor. And it's a safe assumption that for the third game, they would have to switch to Unreal Engine 5 is something that the director told IGN in an interview. Respawn is also working on at least two more Star Wars games, a first person shooter and a strategy game. How do you feel about this? Well- uh it's a lot of star wars a lot of star wars especially with the upcoming uh ubisoft game outlaw too it's a lot um i hope they're good but (laughs) it's a kind of a similar situation with the fucking tv shows and movies where it's like it's just too much of this like a star wars game should be like coveted and it should be like oh shit like this just dropped and it's cool and to be fair i didn't play jedi survivor which i heard is like a fantastic game to the people that played it and didn't have issues but I played it and I noticed a few like frame rate issues and I was just like, I'm just going to dip out. Like I'm not going to deal with this because I'm just like bougie now where it's like, I need 60 frames. If it's not a smooth 60, like I'm not fucking with it. Plus, you know, you can wait and hopefully it'll get fixed. Exactly. But a third star Wars game, as long as it's different, you know, like the first person shooter one, that sounds fun because it's like different. The strategy game, that's fun. Now, if it's another open world lightsaber game, then I'm like, that's kind of, kind of redundant yeah i feel that i don't have too much to say on it just because i before survivor came out i tried to get into fallen order and i was enjoying it but then when survivor came out kind of broken i kind of lost motivation to play fallen order so until i kind of returned to them it's cool that the games are well received and that they're continuing it but like you're saying it still just kind of strikes me as like more 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 yeah, and I'm more interested in the Star Wars games that are not the open world. Like the first-person shooter, that can be really mm-hmm. cool. And also the strategy game, that could be fun, you know, a little tactics game. We want to get into those. I have interest in Aliens Dark Descent. I know that, you know, um, I still want to play... I'm interested in mid Sun. I was going to say, I still want to play Marvel Sun. So, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll see with those, with those other kind of games. But the... I mean, speaking about more, 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 more going from Star Wars, we can shift over to Marvel and a Black Panther game is in development at new EA studio cliffhanger. The title will be a third person single player game and was part of the deal EA struck with Marvel for multiple games, starting with an Iron Man title developed by the team behind the Dead Space remake. This is separate from the other title featuring Black Panther and Captain America. So this is very early in development and we don't know that much about it. Earlier in the show, I mentioned studios potentially working on things they didn't want to work on. This is where I wanted to return to that with, I do think that Motive, the team behind Dead Space, is a good team for Iron Man, even when you just think about like Isaac and Dead Space and the way he flies and the way he moves and his suit. So it makes sense from that perspective. But for some reason, I can't imagine that like a studio that made Dead Space wants to make an Iron Man game. Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't really add up in terms of it seems a lot more like corporate where it's like, well, we have this deal. So now make the game for the deal instead of like being like motive. It seems like motive was really down to make a Dead Space 2 remake. Yeah, and that's that's the and they might still be. But that's the thing where 
I think you said again, great, where it's very corporate in the sense of like, I feel like they probably just saw the team were like, Hey, well you have the technical capabilities. Clearly you got this guy in a suit flying in zero G. Why don't you make an <laughs> Iron Man game? Yeah. And I, and also I was telling you earlier, I don't know if this was on the pod or not, but about the writer strike where it's like, I want, I feel like Disney has been leaning more into games in like anticipation of this upcoming strike where it's like, all right, well, fuck you guys. We won't pay you to write our shitty shows and movies. We'll just make all this money in video games. And I mean, if you look at, if you look at financials, Ooh, sorry for the burp. If you look at financials video, the video game industry makes more than like shows and movies anyway. So, and music. Yeah. So the more that, the the more that they can make there that I'm sure that that's what they would prefer to do. Which I really don't like the marvelization of video games, but it kind of seems like something that's inevitable. All we could pray for is that these games are good, but I do feel like a lot of them are just going to be like Arkham Combat, Open World. You know the Make script. Make you really feel like Black Panther. Black Panther. So I never freeze. Yeah. Well, we'll see how that is, but yeah, that is separate from the other one, which was also like not fully announced, but kind of semi-t. So multiple Marvel games in the works. And, and the other one actually sounded cool with like a Black Panther, Captain America team up. I agree. I just want to see them. It's that thing where yeah. like too many, just like a logo and a Marvel logo at that. So I'm like, okay, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I really don't know what that means. <laughs> as soon as I see Marvel, my eyes just gloss over. I'm just like, I don't give a fuck. I mean, yeah, pretty much. I think, uh, yeah, but a different, let's talk about something you give a fuck. And about. That, yeah. Do I, I don't know. Let's see. So test drive unlimited solar <laughs> crown. First gameplay was kind of showed. They did a, a, they did a basically like a, uh nacon state of play that was just for test drive it was like a 30 minute stream where they played the game and it was really corny because they had a bunch of people they had uh black panther actually the youtuber he was part of the stream oh yeah he was part of the stream so they had him and they had a couple of other people like one of the creative directors or like the ceo of the company or something basically playing the game live and you know they're doing their like fake voice chat like laughing and whatever my main thing with the game is or like what they really show you. So right off the bat, there's no houses. Bullshit. Which is very important because I, I think that was a huge part of Test Drive Unlimited was getting your house. Like one of the biggest parts is buying your house and increasing your garage size with every house that you buy and then walking around the garages to get in your cars. That's no longer the case. What the What is the case now is there's like a giant hotel that's like the hub. And you go into there and basically that's where you can go to look at your like cosmetic store, your character creator, your whatever. And instead of houses, you have like different rooms. So you start in like a shitty one one. And then as you gain money <laughs> and fame on the island, you like you move, yeah, up. you move up the tower. So they showed that they showed the main hub and they showed basically these people kind of joining into a multiplayer game leaving the hotel together in a party kind of similar to kind of like how groups work in test uh in forza horizon and then they race over to a race do a race show some gameplay i thought it looked cool it's nice that they showed the game they didn't really show it in depth though it wasn't like they looked at the map or like looked at all the things you can do they really just showed them driving and then they also kind of like basically said like yeah this isn't coming out this year it's going to be coming out early next year. So there's going to be a closed beta at the end of the month. But as of the time of recording this, it's already July 17th. And I have searched and I do not understand how you're supposed to sign up for the closed beta. It's not a pre-order mm-hmm. bonus. I've signed up for the newsletter and I've been all over their website and I can't figure out how you're supposed to sign up for it. So 
kind of weird marketing. I don't really understand like what they're going for. I mean, I think visually the game doesn't look that bad. I'm excited to play it. I really am excited to play it. I just think no houses sounds bad, but then I think they know it too because they're like, oh, after launch houses. (laughs) Really? Yeah, they were. They did say that. God damn it. Yeah, no, no, they did say that. They were like, we're not ruling it out, but like that's not going to be at launch. Come on, the houses was what made Test Drive like stand out from the other racing games. Like you said, like walking around, getting in the car, you had to get a nicer house to get the bigger garage. You all played in it together. I personally thought this was really cool. I know some people might have thought it was inconvenient, but I remember the way it would work is like, let's say I have this house with a four car garage and it fills up. Now I got to go get another house. Let's say I go buy a house with a six car garage. Oh shit, my Ferrari F50 is in my first house. I got to go drive there and go get it. I thought that That's was fun. cool. I under you also cool. can fast travel, so like people that were complaining, yeah. like you can fast travel. I just thought it was really cool cuz it adds that it adds that like not obviously not realistic. Like you don't have fucking three houses and like Ferraris, <laughs> right? But that's the whole point. Like you want to enjoy it. That's true. I mean I, it's to the it adds to the immersion it adds to like the whole like the genesis quo what makes it different from every other racing game is that it you, you know you had your house you can test drive you had to go to the dealership to buy cars like all that was very cool about test driving what people really liked about it the driving i mean the driving was okay it was never like oh test drive is like the best driving game but it was everything else that made it so special they are keeping the dealerships and obviously they are keeping test drives there is a lot of things that they're keeping that people really enjoy just i think from this stream the biggest things to come out of it were it's going to come out early 2024 it's uh, no houses at launch but also no current gen and switch might not be included so it might only be ps5 and series x that's perfectly so we don't need to make Switch games no yeah, more. That, that's what's come out of that. And so I think that looks pretty good. I'm pretty interested in that. I also, on the topic of racing games, did sign up for the Crew Motorfest. Like open, or not open, but like, beta. yeah, closed beta. So we'll see if I get into that. I don't know if I will, but I did enjoy the Mortal Kombat one when I was in that. And they showed a trailer basically showing Sector, Cyrax, Frost, and scorpion all as cameos and then smoke as like a new main fighter smoke and rain Ooh. so are you excited about that that i'm I'm fucking hype i love smoke and it's cool to see sector Mm -hmm. and cyrax i don't know if they're just going to be cameo fighters it would be cool to see them as main fighters too but yeah i mean mortal Kombat. really excited for that think that's going to be great the other thing i wanted to talk about with that quickly is Homelander being in Call of Duty, I guess part of that has also kind of confirmed that like there's been further confirmation he will be in Mortal Kombat 1. So <laughs> nice. I don't think that's too surprising, but yeah, Homelander will be in that. And then also I think Mortal Kombat 2 has paused filming because of the strikes. I think, yeah, a lot of things have paused. I know that the last of season two actually is put on pause because of it. They did show a picture of uh mr billy butcher as johnny cage though looks decent just kind of looks like an older guy with, with like no facial hair like he doesn't really look like johnny cage but he's a good actor so i'm gonna say him without facial hair i don't know if that works for me yeah he, he looks good in the beard but without the beard he looks a little and it's that character really yeah so, we'll see 
But yeah, I mean, Mortal Kombat 1, excited about that. Just really wanted to talk about Smoke, Cyrax, and Sector. I think they all look really good. And then that trailer, I, I saw it got a lot of buzz. It seemed like it was a, a positively received trailer. Yeah, it's a dope trailer. I mean, the one of the smart... I, I mean, of course, I'm a fucking moron combat fan, but like one of the best ways to revitalize or make something fresh in a way that makes sense is just like a reset and then just have the characters all be a little bit different a little bit different relationships with each other but like there's enough Mm -hmm. camp and it also doesn't matter because it's just a fighting game so i think they were very smart about how they decided to do it and it gives them a free pass to just have whatever characters they want yeah and they get to have like fun with these characters that they've been making and had like these strict like, you know, oh, you know, Sub-Zero and fucking Scorpion don't like each other. Now they're brothers and they're fucking kissing each other like the Islands boys. Wow. Like, that's kind of cool. I also like the way that they're announcing the characters because I did mention, I remember one time on the show that I saw a list of, like, basically the whole roster, which what I think is probably credible as to that will be correct. And it seems like they're announcing all the characters that people already know or are returning from other games. And all of the, like, new mm-hmm. or rare characters, they're probably going to wait which makes sense because those would be more hype. It's like people you wouldn't expect. Yeah. So. So, yeah, I'm excited for this coming out. This comes out September. September, right? I didn't want to speak, but yeah, that's that's right around the corner. I love how they quick announcement, get it out. Yeah. Get it in and out. That's all you got to do. Yeah, that'll be good. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was itching. Uh, My my mustache is getting a little long, so the hairs are starting to like fornicate with my nose hairs, you know, because I don't really trim my nose. Maybe I should do that. That's disgusting. Yeah, but um, you had a hairy nose. You got a hairy ass. I mean, yeah, though definitely the forest. Yeah, the forest is thick for sure. The forest keeps me warm, you know. (laughs) Nice furry. Yeah, exactly. Nice furry ass. So uh switching to the basically the last thing is io interactive is opening a new studio in england and this studio is going to assist on james bond hitman and the new fantasy series they got a new fantasy series too what the the fantasy series is the one that's xbox exclusive Uh, which is also why that's at the like that's the last one on the list you know what i'm saying like i read (laughs) i made sure to read like is this studio going to be working on anything that would be relevant to us and so it is working on the James Bond that they're going to be making. But IO Interactive, I also put this in here because they opened another studio not that long ago. We talked about them, I mean, within the past year. So I think now they have four studios. They're expanding quickly. It does concern me that they might be purchased by uh, by Xbox. They're not, though. They're not purchased by just that one game is exclusive. No, but what scares me is that they might mm. be because they, you know, doing a lot of expansion as an independent studio cash runs low because fucking you know games take forever to release so then they're like uh shit we need some outside investment and xbox is like hey hitman's gotta got, sell got decent, a bag though yeah but it's the same game but like, it's you great know, it really is fantastic i don't think it's like but i think the people that like it already purchased it it's not like evergreen it's not like it's not like gta 5 it's i forever. obviously that's an extreme example but yes i don't think it is like gta 5 but I think it's a little bit more evergreen than other games, especially when they remodeled it and made it just World of Assassination this year. Because remember, they yeah. combined all of it just into like the Hitman 3 engine. That That's smart, too. But again, I, I'm interested to see the James Bond Me game. Too. I think that that's really I think cool. that has huge I think potential. Yeah, I think that's that's like no questions asked the perfect studio to do it. So hopefully they can get that out there and then, you know, stay just 
keep the cash. I like independent studios. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody being gobbled up, that shit's kind of annoying. Like, we got to have some independent. Like, when Insomniac was independent, that was kind of fun for a little bit. It was annoying when they went to the Xbox for a while, but, you know, you live and you learn. Well, who publishes IO's games? Wouldn't it be themselves? Is it? Is there I want to see. I'm looking it up. Do some, well, they haven't uh, released do some, the game do some filibustering. So, yeah, IO Interactive. Gotta love... Gotta love Hitman. I never played it, but I've heard they have a great Miami F1, you know, track in the third one. And it just made me think about the F1 race that they have in Miami every year now. And it's like, man, imagine if like some random guy just snuck in there and just like fucking murdered all these people dressed as a janitor. Also, Agent 47, is it the same one in every game or is it like a new person? Is it like James Bond where it's like a moniker that just like gets passed down? Who really knows? So I think it was Eidos, then it was Square, then now they're partnered with Warner Brothers, but they're also like on their own now. So I think over time they become more independent. Well, they well they were in the... Hmm, who Square owned them when they were making the games and gave them the IP. And before Square was Eidos... Yes. So I think Eidos Montreal. Yes. Well, I don't know if it was Montreal. I think it was just Eidos Interactive because Montreal was the studio. I think Eidos as a publisher was at that time. That's like early 2000s. Oh, yeah. 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 That's a while ago. So I'm saying I think Eidos Interactive was the publisher during the early 2000s. And then I think it was Square for a while. And then now I think IO has a little bit more control and like money Mm -hmm. than I think they've ever had. So I think now is when they have like multiple studios and they might just choose like, for example, that fantasy game, they're probably pairing with Xbox, like kind of as a publisher. That's yeah. And I'm assuming that James Bond is probably whoever owns that IP is probably working as publisher. So that's that's good for Aya. Way to, to, you know, glow up. You're surviving on your own out here. It's hard, tough economy. Just hopefully you get some good games out there. We need that James Bond game. Yeah, I'm excited for that. I think that'll be good. There's a lot of good James Bond games. I like to, I mean, obviously, Goldeneye, everyone knows, but there's a lot of PS2 James Bond games that I think were always reviewed as being just okay, and I always loved all of them. I love the Spy Hunter series. Mm-hmm. They're good games. Man, that was some good shit. That was some good shit. And that was like all car shit, too. That was rough. Oh, man, games used to be so, so, so dumb, but so good. They used to just. They used the thing is I feel like that's really different is they used to just come out so quickly. Mm-hmm. So, because especially on the store. yeah like a see like a trilogy yeah like a trilogy used to be like done within like five seven years now it's like one game every five seven yeah years. exactly and if you look at the store like extensively because we we keep track like I was saying if I want to play a new game I'm always looking at what's releasing I would say there's a game worth playing every two to three weeks like one game worth playing which is crazy i don't think that's bad i don't think there needs to be something every week i mean when you think about how many games are coming out i think is what i'm saying to the ratio if 30 games are coming out and one of them is actually worth your time i think that's a problem yeah that's true you're counting all the garbage from fucking Cooking Mama. Yeah. Not Cooking Mama. No disrespect to Cooking Mama. I actually like Cooking Mama, but you know, like a Jumpin' Yeah, the Jumpin' all of them. And even then, even not just the Jumpin', like there's just a lot of like kind of shitty looking games. There are a lot of shitty looking games, but then sometimes I'm like, 
I want to kind of buy one of these shitty looking games and see if they're any fun. But like, obviously, if there was a hidden gem there, it would have like got like bubbled up to the top. You don't want to do that. I did that. It was called Blacklight. <laughs> you don't ever want to do that. Black Tail. I, Black I didn't Tail. even remember what it was called. <laughs> I would never forget that shit was this hilarious. Shit was awful. That's the new Skyrim. What are you talking nah, that about? That shit sucked. But I'm ready to I'm ready to cough up the change for Saints Row as soon as we're wrapping this up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> All right, so yeah, let's let's wrap this on up. This was a girthy, beefy show. We appreciate you if you stuck on through and listened all the way to the end. Um, we love you. We love your support. Mark, you have any closing words for the beautiful people? No, I don't. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Bye bye.